Welcome to another episode of Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon and skeptic. Curmudgeon, huh? Yeah, and for those who don't uh, already know what Renegade Detroit Investors is, let me take a minute. RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. This isn't your grandma's RIA. No sales from the front ever. No smell of stale coffee, Bengay, and or disappointment. <laughs> the other part of this RDI is this podcast you're listening to right now, where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful businessmen and women getting shit done. And I pick their brains for your amusement and or hopefully education. I'd like to take a minute right now, if you enjoy this podcast you like it, if this is helping you at all, please take a minute, like it, share it across the internet. It really, really helps. And also, if you have any questions and or suggestions, and you're not a total asshat or loser, please go ahead and leave a comment and send it to me. Go to renegadedetroit.com. Yes, I realize as of this post, it is not updated, but it will be. Renegadedetroit.com. For the local meetings, I know this is going out to the world, but for the local meetings, if you go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors and or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club, that is where we post our monthly networking, getting deals done, getting shit done in your business meetings. Give me a follow on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. And also, if you prefer YouTube, this will be posted at youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. And before I get too far, the RDI legal disclaimer, in no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment and or investment decisions, contact a lawyer and other licensed professionals. Be an adult. Don't fucking sue me. Now, for our show quote of the day, which I hopefully will set the tone for the podcast and perhaps for your week or month or day or hour. Extraordinary results are determined are directly determined by how narrow you can make your focus. Extraordinary results are directly determined by how narrow you can make your focus. And that's from Gary Keller's book, The One Thing, which by the way, Joe sitting in front of me, I want to thank him for that. Without further ado, let me introduce you to my two guests today. Steve Lundo and Joe Delia. Steve is a full-time real estate investor with hundreds of deals under his belt, from short sales to bulk note buying and selling to his current endeavor, wholesaling domination. This dude eats, breathes, and shits real estate investing. For those interested, go to stevebuyshousesfast.com, stevebuyshousesfast.com. Joe Delia is a full-time real estate agent with Keller Williams. His partner in business is the better-looking and harder-working, Renee, his wife. Together, they're well on their way to their goal of $40 million in gross sales this year. For those interested, please go to the Delia Group, thedeliagroup.com. And also, I will put all this in the show notes, um, and I'll also mention it several times. So, hey... Thanks for coming out, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Jeremy. Yeah, hey, I'd like to personally thank Steve, who totally geekified this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> hey, I'm still learning, too, so I'm having yeah, fun. This was literally being done on a, <clears throat> on a handy H5 Zoom up until 
five minutes ago, and now we have something that looks like a mixer, and we all have microphones, and at least <laughs> Steve like <laughs> has, uh, has headphones, so hopefully, being the fifth podcast, the sound quality will be significantly higher, which Steve has mentioned was a problem for him. So Four times. Thank you, Steve, <laughs> for bringing all this amazing equipment and letting us use it. At a minimum, he's faking it till he makes it. Hey, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. But I'm gonna figure it out, right? It looks cool. If I let not knowing what I don't know stop me, I wouldn't be anywhere. And I'm not sure how that's going to turn Actually, can I read this real quick? Absolutely. This, Go for it. This kind of leads right into something that I... This is the kind of philosophy that I've been living by lately. Actually, this book is called Becoming a Category of One. Uh, how Extraordinary Companies Transcend Commodity and Defy Comparison. The little Actually, there's two little quotes. The first one is, don't strive to be a leader in your category. Create a different category and be the only one in it. That's the idea behind this book. But the point that I wanted to make when this opened, um, so the movie Apollo 13 opens with a gathering of astronauts at the home of Jim and Marilyn Bubble to watch the live television broadcast of an incredible event. So their fellow astronaut, Neil Armstrong, is about to become the first human being to set foot on the moon. There's a lighthearted party atmosphere among the group. But as well as newsman Walter Cronkite announces the event, and we hear Armstrong's immortal words, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, the mood becomes quiet, almost reverential. Even Cronkite, the veteran newsman with years of covering historic world events, seems nearly overwhelmed with the magnitude of the moment. So, and I'm getting to the point here, shortly after the broadcast, the party breaks up and everybody goes about their separate ways. So Jim Lovell, who's the, the main character played by Tom Hanks, is now alone with his wife, and <clears throat> they're, they're up looking at the moon, and from now on, he says, from now on, we live in a world where man has walked on the moon, and it's not a miracle, we just decided to go. And that whole thing is the point, we just decided Absolutely. to go. No, that's good, man, that's good. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, keep talking about that, because I'm having some camera difficulties, so of course it's going to start like this. So <laughs> hold on one second, and uh, Steve will regale us with that. On a side note, I love... Have you read the book, Apollo 13? I haven't read the book, no. Oh my God, if you thought the movie was good, Jim, man, those guys surviving, coming back is exactly... I mean, those guys are like the ultimate Boy Scouts. Talk about being prepared for the worst. Do it or die. Yeah, right. That's amazing. So yeah, that's crazy. So I, I thought about that little quote today as I was preparing and driving here, and we're trying to get all this podcast equipment set up that really nobody knows how to use. I'm figuring my way through it, and um, but that whole philosophy is kind of how I've kind of run my whole business: is throw it and kind of glass now, refine later. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably, um, and I always tell people this, I'm really not that good at doing, uh, creating things myself, but I'm really, really good at ripping off what other people do and, and, and refining it and just taking best practices. So if you can give me the rules of the game, I'm going to win. Um, and I think that's one big contrast between our two businesses is that, you know, you guys are out there trying to figure it out, you know, and you've got to figure it out. You don't have... Whereas, you know, when you're running a, a real estate business like we are, you know, all I'm doing is taking the millionaire real estate agent, uh, taking best practices from other agents around the country. You know, when I call Mike Pernop and ask him, hey, what's the average conversion rate of an internet lead? He has that number for me. Right. You guys got to figure it out, you know. Well, you, we, uh, we have similar people in our in our industry, too, that are wholesalers like that. There's a guy named Sean Terry, who is okay. someone that I followed that 
you know, he's doing two, three million dollars a year in in income. So I, it's probably similar levels, sure. kind of what you're thinking there. Yeah. And he, same type of thing. Hey, what's the average cost per lead? What's the average cost right, per exactly. contract? You know, all these key metrics yes. that, that we follow certainly. So I think, um, and then just doing what you know, why recreate the wheel? Just just follow what they've they've got going on. Yeah. So when I think one thing you're talking about creating a category of your own, I think you can do that within a within a sphere of you know customer service or um, you know in your business. I'm not sure how it would really apply, but. Um, you know, for us, it's customer service. You know, sure. provide the smoothest possible train. I mean, real estate's never going to be smooth unless everything goes right, which happens like one out of every hundred, right? right, right. So, um, just trying to create the uh, best possible client experience that we can control. So, um, that's uh, that's that's what I took from from your quote there. It's, yeah. um, well, and one of the things that <clears throat> it, you know what that kind of can go in any business, mine mine included customer service. I mean, if you, if I treat all the sellers that we talk to like shit or not like a true customer, I'm not going to get very many right. callback leads or even sure. follow up. I have sellers that we bought their house where they're referring sisters and daughters right. and other people to come sure. and buy their house too. So no. it's yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And my buyers the same way. Yeah, people buyers, like, for sure. You know, if it doesn't go well with a, a transaction, they're not going to want to come back and buy. And my, my business is really built off of repeat buyers. I and mean, that's, sure. that's where a lot of that comes in. So, yeah. So I got Steve and Joe here today, and um, we're going to talk about all sorts of things, anything, but mostly I want to talk about inspiration, motivation, and other success habits. Because we all know that life gets in the way of a lot of things, and there's a difference between just letting life happen and being very intentional about it and being very proactive. And it's very easy, myself included, to just let life happen. Just start letting things happen. It's a lazy thing to do. If you have bad habits too, these bad habits um, can just have you just letting life come to you, letting leads come to you, letting success come to you or not. And there's a very different way to live, which depending on what kind of person you are, is harder than others. But to be intentional about it, to be proactive about it. And to go out and make life happen in a way that you want instead of just letting life happen. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about natural disasters or, or other things. And life always does happen no matter what. What I'm mostly talking about is an attitude, an intentional attitude towards life. So what I want to talk about today with you guys, two successful dudes, getting shit done here in uh, lovely Metro Detroit is um, what inspires you, what motivates you, what, uh, what success habits you have. Joe, let's start with you. Just what, what, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Actually, you know what, back up. Joe, let's tell people a little bit about yourself before we get into that because not everybody knows, um, knows who you are, although they should and they will after this podcast. <laughs> uh, a little about myself. Grew up in Rochester Hills. Uh, been together with my wife since we were in high school, Renee. Uh, I coming into uh, Russell's growing up. Uh, I think that's where you're talking about leading into later. But wrestling had a big uh, impact on my life. Um, from there, uh, went into college, ran a student painting company. Uh, Renee and I both did, and it was the second largest in the country for student painters. Uh, from there, I met a kid I wrestled against in high school. We launched a clothing brand together, along with the guy who I coached with in wrestling. Uh, they're now one of the largest in the Midwest, which happens to be one of the largest in the country also. 
Um, they're killing it, doing sublimated singlets and custom gear. Uh, they're going to do, I don't know how many million in sales this year, but doing really well. Uh, they're out of the west side of the state now. Uh, from there, went into a gold business, did well with that. I, everything was a means in which to accumulate money to start investing in real estate. And I always thought I was going to be a house flipper and uh, found out I wasn't very good at house flipping. And uh, so I started flipping houses, Didn't do, wasn't real good at it, but I did build a bit of a rental portfolio. I was moving around the country, following my wife working for GE, and uh, got my license when I was in Cincinnati and started uh, acquiring units down there, decided we were going to move home, and moved home. Came to one of your RDI things uh, early on before... Uh, just trying to figure it out, you know, just trying to figure it out locally. And, uh, yeah, went from a yeah. million and a half. I met you yeah. before you were a super almost $40 million in gross sales. Yeah. Actually, in the short amount of time I've known you, it's pretty amazing. So Yeah, yeah I did a million and a half two years ago in sales. Flipped one house. Well, I was in for 124000 made $2,500 on it. And I said, okay, well, I can keep putting 100 and some thousand in and making less than a 2% return. Or I can do the realtor thing, which seems to be a lot more natural for me. And uh, yeah, million and a half to seven and a half to going hard to strive for forty in this last quarter. See if we can hit it. We'll definitely hit thirty-five. It's just how much further above it will we go? And you know, why not make it forty? So year one was million and a half. Year two, which was part time. Part time. Year two, seven and a half. This year, at least thirty-five. Thirty-five plus. Yeah. Yeah. Forty million is your stretch goal. Yes. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That is intentional living. That shit does not happen on accident, does yeah. it? No, and I think it's um, and you segueing into your lead-in um, for me. Uh, growing up wrestling, nothing's harder than cutting weight, which you might be able to relate to, um, and uh, even jujitsu. You know, nothing's harder than cutting weight, and making weight. So the rest of the stuff's pretty easy, and I don't really uh, get stressed out very easily and when I do get stressed out I freak out so I try not to freak out um, so it's uh, everything's easier than, than trying to lose you know 13 pounds in a few hours you yeah. know so it's not For it's sure. not that hard it's not that hard yeah no that is hard Steve were you a wrestler too? yeah yeah. I didn't know I should have put that together there are a lot of wrestlers dominating it shit UFC real estate all yeah. that you're right I think there is something about well, there's the a mental edge to it there's a mental yeah. edge and you know if you go through and I don't care if it's at um if you were, I think it's harder to be the JV kid who never really wins than it is to be someone, you know, like our family was fairly successful. We were good. We weren't great. Um, you know, I, th- I, I don't know I ever would have lasted in the sport if I didn't win the vast majority of my matches. You know, why are you also oh, you doing I, it? You just I was sit the there. other guy. You were yeah. the other guy? Yeah. And then I give you all the credit in the world because, I mean, you're just getting beat up all the time. I mean, battling, it is terrible. Battling in practice over and over and over, and I just couldn't get over that hump of beating the guy. The guy was really good, but still. I'd, I'd bust my ass in practice and not get to wrestle in the meet, you know, most of the time. Yeah, that's miserable. I'd, I'd give you so much props. <laughs> I'd, I'd give you more props than I already do now, even though I give you a ton already. Um, just because, I, and we had kids on our team like that. The kid who literally backed me up since we were in sixth grade all the way through senior year of high school. I mean, he literally came in, got his butt kicked all day, and then went home and never got to go in the meets. You know, like, what fun is that? Yeah. You know, it's, I don't know. How can you stay? You know? Well, we all start in different places in life. Uh, Steve, what, what about you? What was, uh, what was the beginning like for Steve? What did Steve's life look like? Well, I grew up, uh, yeah, I grew up in Westland. And the mean I, streets the, of Westland. The mean streets of Westland, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, my dad grew, uh, worked for GM and my mom worked for a newspaper. And, uh, you know, not typical blue collar, pretty much. They, they separated when I was in sixth grade. And, uh, 
things got a lot tougher around that time. So I sort of fell into the wrong crowds, was running with the wrong people, running with gangs and getting in a bunch of trouble and a bunch of shit. So I finally wised up when I saw some some really good friends go to prison for like decades. So oh, I'm like, damn. I, I need to stop this shit and get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So I ended up moving up to uh, East Lansing with a very good friend of mine. He sort of helped. He saved me is the way I look at it. And East Lansing is really where I got the real estate bug. I saw some Carlton Sheets infomercials, of oh, course. Yeah. I had the free Carlton, Carlton Sheets stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I got my first taste of like title insurance up there, too. I, I got brought in to, as a temp to help uh, call on property taxes. And from there, graduated into like an actual title examiner to a closer. And uh, while I was working at a title company, some real estate investors came in. I kind of saw what they were doing, reignited the the bug that I had from, uh, you know, Mr. Sheets there, <clears throat> and r- really kind of took off. That was 2006. I did my first short sale. Um, I made $6,000, basically door knocking. We did door to door, and uh, that was, it was like... It's old school right there. Old school. Yeah. Knock on the door. We got them to agree to do a, a short sale with us, and we got the bank to agree to a lower price, flip the house. Six grand, like 45 days later, I was amazed. I, that was probably twice the money I made at my full-time jobs. So. Well, yeah, you just got tired of watching. You were doing all the settlement statements and all that stuff and clearing title, and you were yep. seeing how much the investors were making, and yep. you are probably looking at your check going, wait a second, it's missing some zeros. Absolutely. Like, hey, For I sure. could do this. So that's – how many years were you a title agent? Um, I was in, in the title business. In title for about 12 years. Wow. wow. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, from 90. Man, uh, you're flirting with disaster. A lot of people never escaped that. Yeah. Oh, I almost didn't. It was very close. I Working for attorney's title here in uh, locally during the foreclosure boom, where I'm doing about 100 files a day and bringing home 30, 40 foreclosure files a night to examine at home after working for eight hours. And it's like... Uh, that was it. I was like, I can't do this. I'm not going to do this forever. I figured another way out, and I forced them basically to fire me because I cared more about, you know, flipping well, houses. You're, than you're doing too much them. business at work, and uh, Mr. Yep. Bad Employee got yep. fired. That's a good way to go. Yep. Yeah, I was a terrible employee. I would never hire me. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. How much of that door knocking cost you? Nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Time, yeah. effort, Time. sweat, but. Yeah. Well, I can't. You can't. You can't invest. You don't. You don't have any money. No. Yep. Yeah. Everybody starts somewhere, right? Yeah. It's. Uh, so you had to go start a gold business to get your money together, though, right? Uh, gold business. Yeah. That. I mean, the the the, the clothing brand's doing well now, but I mean, I mean, what better business to get in than real estate? I mean, we went a hundred thousand dollars in debt in that business, and they're just climbing out now. You know, just our business. What you have to? There's no inventory. What are yeah. you acquiring? You know, I mean, like you said, door knocking. I mean, what excuse do you have? Go bang on enough doors, and someone's going to say yes because you're standing in front of them. Uh, I forgot what the statistic is, but it's the numbers through the roof. The first realtor they talk to, they go with. Okay, yeah. so they don't. You know how many times people have asked you, "Well, where did you go to school?" No one's ever asked me that. I do have a degree. Graduated from Central, you know. Yeah. But why would they ask that? Yeah, that's a know? silly question. I know I am successful. Was it three point nine percent of the time? Yeah, <laughs> that's and actually that number is not bad. Uh, but that's a good. That's a good question. Let's. Did any of you, Steve, Joe, did you guys have problems with no getting over no? 
Because um, that, that does seem to be people are conflict or being told no or given an excuse and overcoming objections. And what, what was that like for you guys? Or did you have to get over it or did you just not care anymore by the time you started? I don't know. I guess I'll start. Um, it bothers me, friends and family, probably. You know, you hear the average realtor, you know, you constantly hear them complaining online about getting stabbed in the back by friends and family. And um, the reality is it's your fault. It's not their fault. It's your fault. Um, so it took me a while to accept that instead of blaming them, just blaming myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that initially uh, probably bugged me. Um, so you're, still you're talking me about when your friends and family didn't use you and they Correct. used somebody else. Correct, right? yeah. Man, that's some manly shit right there. You're like, yeah. it's my fault, not their fault. Right. Well, and I think I take that approach to everything. I, any conversation I ever walk away with, if there's some type of conflict, it's always, well, what could I have done differently or what what could I have controlled or what led up to that that we could have done differently and how do we improve our process in the future so this issue doesn't come up again and we're constantly refining our process because of that. And it's always, you know, I, I forgot what it was, but I read something like every finger that's pointing, you're pointing out, two, three are pointing back at you. Mm-hmm. So I just always look at the fingers pointing back at me and figure it out. And Sure, you might have been dealing with a complete lunatic, but... There was something you could have done. There's still something you could have done differently to to change the situation or defuse it. Um, Even if that is not yelling back at that lunatic, well, that's your takeaway, right? So, um, yeah, I think um, beyond that, what I struggle with is I know we're the best option for people. So when they tell me they're going a different direction, it the competitor in me. it's hard for me to just accept that instead of saying something like, you know, something sarcastic, you know what I mean, back or something like, yeah, best of luck. They suck. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, or something to that nature instead. And if you do that, you burn the bridge when Absolutely. maybe they're going to circle back to you. And I've, there's so many times where you've wanted to be like, you know, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, those people you're deciding, you know, choosing over us are terrible. Um, but instead you're like, Hey, best of luck to you in the future. If you ever need anything, you know, please come, please let me know. Use me as a resource. I say that all the time. Use me as a resource. And uh, more often than not, things have circled back to us, and it's better to, uh, you know, track bees with honey than whatever the rest yeah. of the saying is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Joe doesn't like no, basically. No, I, I, you no. can, you could probably see it while we're sitting here that um, it, it, it does bother me yeah. to. Now, I don't mind the random, you know, cold call person that hangs up on me. I laugh about that. But it's when, you know, when I'm competing, I don't like losing. So yeah. that's that's what it comes down to, especially when I know I'm better. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, yeah. do you have to get over no or is there any, uh, uh, or get over conflict or, or anything like that when you got started? Or Yeah, I never really handled no very well. I don't like no. Um, Probably go. I mean, even as a little kid, mom says no, and I'm like, what about if I? Well, your objection handling. Okay, well, how how about if I did this? Well, then could I go and do whatever the fuck I'm trying to do? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't handle no very well. And still, sellers tell me no. I pretty much ignore the first four to five times they say no. And, you know, to get to the the real no or yes, you know, but yeah. Yeah. I, I had, I used to be terrified of the phone. If I'm, if I'm being entirely honest, I used to be terrified of uh, being the phone. I remember one instance where I was doing a short sale in Spokane, Washington, and I got stuck on the short sale when the bank insisted that I list it. And I had, uh, I was living in Pullman, Washington at the time, and I was trying to flip this house in Spokane, Washington. 
This was in 2000, I think it was five or six, but it was before the crash. Mm -hmm. And I got stuck and I found the real estate agent and all that. And I just, between the homeowner and a real estate agent, I didn't let him talk me out of the deal. I did because mm -hmm. I didn't like the, I didn't like the conflict and I was, um, I don't know, I think I had some, some uh, issues with security of whether or not I can get it done mm -hmm. or not too. I just let him talk me out of it and after that I always had a bad taste in my mouth with that. I, I still think about it sometimes when I go to bed I'm like why did I let, why did I let them do that like <laughs> it's been seven years and it, and it bothers me um, what what did it for me was when we moved to Detroit my wife and I moved from Pullman Washington to Detroit Michigan not the suburbs Detroit Michigan in May 2007 and um, the market crashed in July 2007. That's insane. Just bad timing, man. Just really bad timing. And, and I had really bad ideas and a really bad business model, too. So all three happening at the same time, it was like a death blow. Well, at least you ripped the Band-Aid off. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. It was a rapid correction. Yeah. You do want to correct as yeah. fastly as, yeah. as fast yeah. as possible. Anyway, um, we had a little bit of inventory we were trying to get rid of that was it wasn't we had money into it, but it was free and clear, and um, we didn't have any money. We're staying in a hotel. It became obvious at that point in time that we weren't closing on our house because all the loans were going away. We have no place to live, and I owed the hotel money, and they wanted it. They were going to kick us out, and I had nowhere to go. Wow. Wow. That's so, intense. Oh, God, it was terrible. It was probably one of the worst times of my life. At least you had an awesome life with you. Yeah, that helped a lot. So what we did, and it was a stupid idea, but it kind of worked, is we started cold calling um, RIAs. National RIAs. I went to, uh, I think it was, I can't remember the website. If I remember, I'll put it in the show notes. But it was one of these sites that had a big list of all the I've seen. real estate investment clubs all right. across North America. And we started cold calling. We put together a three-piece program. I'm like, look, it wasn't the best program I ever put together. But I was like, <laughs> look, we call them, we leave a message, or we talk to them, we email them, and then we send them a fax, and then we do it all over again <clears throat> three times. So everybody's getting contacted three different ways. This was my grand plan to get us out. And um, actually, that leads into a pretty good story, if you don't mind me telling the rest of it. Do it. All right, man. Of course. We Go sold on. several houses this way, actually. We, but in the meantime, to finish up this part, I've never been... I mean, boy, you want to meet some hostility, call people who run RIA groups. Oh, my God. Why? We got told to fuck off and die. Why are you calling me? Stop faxing. Stop faxing. Stop you run a reading group. What's wrong with you? Uh, man, it, it was like, you're a piece of shit. You're wasting my time. Oh, my God. And that kind of trial by fire was kind of like walking across coals and, and whatnot. And after that, I just really didn't give a shit anymore. But um, the one, there was one deal in that where actually I didn't have money. I had it under contract. This might have been my first true wholesale steve um but it had been going there was a title issue been taking months to close and i think we were in september of 2007 i had no money to close it oh, no money to close it and it's dragging on and i found a buyer from california for this house i actually flipped this house twice by the way it's a good story i found a buyer in california supposedly they cleared title so i got set up to double close it i didn't have the money to double close it I reached out to a title person who shall remain anonymous, <laughs> and uh, they made they basically I think they broke the law. I'm not entirely sure. What's Dry the closing? Yeah. What's the, what's the statute of limitations on that? I don't know. So I don't even know that that was necessarily illegal. All right. Well, whatever. Anyway, I didn't have the money. She took his money. Mm -hmm. 
made it good on my end. But while we're sitting at the closing table, they came in. I already did this. He's already signed all the paperwork. He's already sent the money. I haven't even bought it yet. I go to the closing, and the title lady comes in. I can't remember what title company it was at. I don't know, Title Connect or something like that, someplace over on the west side. And she's like, yeah, title's not clear. We can't close today. I can't find such and such file. I'm sitting there with the title lady whose eyes got very big. Like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And I just stone cold played. I looked at him and go, look, it's been five months, some number of months. I'm of the opinion, you go back, you tell the bank, you tell them you screwed up. I'm of the opinion if it doesn't close today, it doesn't close at all. It was really my only option in the move. Anyway, long story short, we got it closed, all that. And actually, my best friend Jason was sitting with me. And I think that's when he decided this business wasn't for him. Because he's sitting there going, <laughs> wait a second. Yeah, anyway, so that's, that's kind of how, sorry to get in that segue. It was a good story, I wanted to share it. But my trial by fire, I had lots of problems with no and conflict and I still think of that short sale in Spokane where I I let that agent talk me out of the deal and that still bothers me to no end I didn't like it I didn't like that part of me and and then doing all the cold calls um, helped with that although I still prefer not to do cold calls obviously Joe you do any cold calling? yeah how many, how much, how many hours a week do you spend cold calling? Um, it really varies on the week right now I'm probably at just a handful probably three or four at most um my our team though uh, our team as a whole is probably doing about 20 wow okay that's pretty amazing How, what percentage of the business do you think comes from cold calls uh we're just getting going doing it so very few but we are i have a listing wednesday from a wrong number cold call ah, <laughs> yeah nice. out your way out your way this oh, one's really? out in kpec oh yeah 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 a wrong number we were calling around a condo complex and not just that we just taken a listing on Never had an association with that condo complex. They're in KPEC. They're like, well, we're planning on selling. Why don't you come sell it? And I'm like, okay. okay. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so call the just, wrong number and sell your house. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't me. It was one of our guys did it. They're like, well, yeah, we can we can work KPEC. Why not? You know, hey, Two and a half acres of pole barns. when you're the boss is it's you. That's how yeah. shit yeah, works. Yeah. No. Yeah. The team, that's, uh, that's our secret sauce. We're surrounded by really good people. So. Steve, you do any cold calling? I know you did a bunch of door knocking. How long yeah. did you have to do that? You know what? I didn't do a ton of it. I did it um, for a little bit, about a month maybe, just a little bit to, to generate the pipeline. And then once the pipeline started, its referrals seemed to come out of everywhere because we were doing short sales. And at that time, in 2006, there wasn't a ton of people doing short sales. You know, there was a few. but um, So I didn't really do a lot of cold calling. My uh, I don't like to cold call <clears throat> personally at all. Um, Hell, I don't like warm calling until I get in the groove and, you know, I, I kind of need to be in the right mindset to get on the phone. I don't love the phone. I know how huge it is for our business, especially as a wholesaler. Um, it's just not my best strength, really. Well, it's not good. It's not, it's not cold calling. It's good news calling. It's good news calling. Good news calling. Yeah, it is. Good news. I can offer you cash on your house. That's yeah. yours. Good yeah. news is... Hey, good news, we just listed the house up the street. Hey, good news, we just sold the house up the street. Yeah. You know, good news, we just listed it. You want to pick your neighbor. I like that. You want to pick your neighbor. Yeah. Call to action. Yeah. Well, well yeah. I mean, we going to say no. Yeah. <laughs> it's like for us, for getting someone to go with our, our, our preferred lender. Hey, are you interested in saving closing costs? No, I'm not. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I want to spend more money. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, yeah. Ask questions they can't say no to. Good news, Colin. So yeah, there you go. Good You're news doing calling. cold calls. If you are doing cold calls, they are no longer cold calls. They are good news calls. 
There you go. Rebrand that. So, Good well, calling is not fun. Good news calling is fun. Good news calling is really good fun. So, Steve, when, at what point, I don't know, at what point, you had to make a choice, right? There's a left or a right. You can't go both ways. At least I don't think you can. A lot of people say you can. Am I going to go corporate America, career, professional career, licensed career, something like that? Or I'm going to go out on my own. And as I like to say, you got five kids to feed from Total Recall. You got five kids to feed. Was Do you remember if there was a moment where you're like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to burn the bridges. I'm going to set the ships on fire. I'm just going to go out. Or did it just happen over time or whatever Whatever you felt, share. Because there might be somebody listening right now wondering how to approach it. Well, it kind of happened. Um, well, it kind of happened twice. The first time I thought I can do this and I got laid off from a title job. It was way down here. I just moved up to Lapeer. I had only done a handful of deals. I'm like, All right, I can do this. That did not work out so well. The second time... Um, it was when I was working for attorney's title, and they basically forced the issue. Uh, they fired me and said, "No, you got to go." I, I made them choose. I made them choose for me, right? Because I'm at work and I'm working on their stuff, my stuff, whatever. I thought I was still a good employee in terms of my production. I was probably producing more than just about anybody in that building, but they still saw the hours that I was at their job doing my job, which, as now a boss, I get. But. Without that shove, I man, I don't know when I would have finally done it. Because I remember leaving there, I, packing up my office. I'm scared as shit. I'm like, oh my god, I'm about to, I'm going to have a child in two months, three months from when I got fired. Yeah, that was Ryland. Right? Yeah, Ryland was yeah. just about to be born. It's like three or four months before he was born. And then I got in the car and I started driving. And I'm driving up uh, Telegraph, and I'm just kind of going. I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. Fuck them. <laughs> fuck David Trott. Fuck attorney's title. Fuck everybody. And I just said, I can do this. There's no reason I can't do this. And, um, you know, at first it was funny. I was mad that they fired me. I'm like, how dare they fire me? I'm the best employee. Yeah, now as a boss, I'm like, I can't believe they let me go for as long as they did. I'd yeah. have fired me months ago. It's hard if you're producing like you said you were, though. You know? It's yeah. Like, you're going to fire your best producer. Yeah. And at that time, it was rough. And there, there was a... A ton of work to do too. So, but I, I, I hated it. I, I mean, the fact of the matter is, I didn't hate the job. I hated the environment. I would drive ninety minutes to get to work, and there's all kinds of construction and traffic and yeah. bullshit that we deal with. I'm one minute late, and I've got a supervisor standing there, like having oh on their watch, God, looking at their watch. That is just that that's just the kind me of the stuff that, right yeah. there. Hey, Peter, what's well, happening? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm I see you've been missing this. a lot of work lately. Yeah. yeah Steve's like, I can't say I've been fun. missing it. Yeah, right. No. Yeah. So honestly, that's that's really what it was. It was sort of a forced um, reckoning. But uh, really, that was the best thing that could have happened to me. It forced me to decide, what am I going to do? Am I going to go get another job somewhere? Or am I going to really give this a real try? And 
We did, and we, I mean, I'm still here, so. Yeah, what year are, was that in when you? That got, was 2009. Yeah, so early basically your boss just kicked you out the door and set the thing on fire. Mm-hmm. Well, you just decided right then to do it, right? I yep. wasn't, uh, I wasn't living here locally at the time, but I would imagine 2009 wasn't looking like the greatest uh, job go market. get another job market, yeah. right? Yeah. The investor, I'm sure investing was, you know, a lot better than it is today, potentially, I don't know, but. It was um, tough. It was really tough. It was tough investing line. Short sales were where it was at. Nobody had equity. I mean, there was free and clear or underwater. Right. Yeah, bank owned legit. or about to be bank owned. Yeah. Yeah. That was all the deals. Yep. Used, I stopped doing everything. So. Yep. You stopped wholesaling too? So it, was, it squeezed the wholesaling market? You would, yeah. I, okay, so Why don't you just pivot into flipping? I did. Okay. But I started, I changed how I bought too. I went from direct mail dealing directly with sellers in 2005, six and part of seven to pretty much almost completely REO and some short sales. Right. Yeah. Steve did, but you know, it's funny. You're saying I've never bought a house off the MLS. You never have. I was just thinking that I think we, my old partner and I may have done like two or three, actually maybe one or two because the other ones that we did that were retail flips, we got through, Either agent referral that was like a short sale. Hey, we're going to list this, but it's not listed. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I don't know why I just thought of that, but as you were talking no, about it's interesting. I, I've never bought one off the MLS. I've never bought one off the MLS. Wow, crazy. because you're not on my <laughs> list, man. What the fuck? <laughs> Get on the list, man. Right. You can do it. We seem to be three, doing okay. 313cashdeals. Yeah, Steve would like you to go to 313cashdeals.com right now. There to you make go. sure you too can buy something not on the MLS. That's what about you, Joe? It's what, what was the question? I've ADD pulled the. No, was there a moment? Oh. That's okay. Was, <laughs> yeah, was there a moment, or was there a yeah. series of moments, or did you decide before to go your own way instead of going the corporate job world? Yeah. There's people listening who maybe afraid to start or. Yeah. Well, growing up, I was always told that with that attitude, you'd never be able to work for somebody. When in reality, I work for 200 people this year. Um, so, um, and, and have a bunch of people working with us. Um, so yeah. Who told I, you that? That I would never be able to work for yeah. somebody. Yeah. Oh, my mom growing up all the time. Yeah. Really? Yeah. With that attitude, you'll never work for somebody. And she's right. I mean, I just yeah. work for hundreds of people now. Um, and hopefully it'll be 400 people next year. Thanks mom. It will be 400 people. Yeah. Honestly, thanks mom. And, uh, I remember student painters, honestly, that was like the, uh, the incubation of entrepreneurship for me. I always knew I just took that competitive edge and I was able to channel it into a business atmosphere. And um, my one of my best friends now, and uh, he's also running, a, he owns a student painting company. Um, Charlie was my DM at the time. And I remember I was on spring break and I was going from sun up to sundown beyond hanging signs, you know, pole signs and sleets coming down on me and charlie would be like i tell him everything i did that day and be like, great what's tomorrow like it, as if it was nothing and i'm like oh my god and i ended up setting the uh the, the, the preseason sales record and i had never painted anything in my life wow. i painted my parents garage door that was it and i yeah we sold I 40 yeah forty seven thousand dollars worth of paint jobs when i was 19 in rochester selling the mansions the big houses that's what and, you do it, man. Uh, I was just grinding, yeah, and that was like my incubation period. And you, anyone who went through that and and goes through it and does it well, I mean, the people that I met in that now today are doing very successful things. 
Um, very, it's funny very you successful say that because I know several people who have done painting businesses, and I think you're right. There might be something onto that. There, it's just yeah, the the, the, the crud. Yeah, the top twenty percent in those businesses. I mean, those those are the kids that you should be seeking out into, you know, bring on hiring you know, agents. Hiring yeah. Yeah. Well, hiring tip or there or you find them and latch onto them early because they're going to have ideas on launching businesses. I know a bunch of them are doing very very well. So, I mean, my, my business partner in, uh, um, he broke my sales record, my business partner in the clothing brand. He, he was, I hired him into the company. I wrestled against him in high school. He beat the crap out of me and hired him in underneath me, and he broke my record the next year. Wow, that's the way to do it because you got paid, son, right? Yep. Well, right. I, I got an override for managing yep. his, uh, his business and, and, and coaching him. And, uh, yeah, student pay. So I, I've never worked for someone besides I think I got fired from Bordines when I was 16. I got fired from Kmart when I was 16. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, so I, I literally have never – I did do – I sat on hold. So I'd come in for two hours uh, for first American title in Rochester and sit on hold during the refi boom. Um, so I'd eat popcorn and sit on hold, find out if they're up to date on their taxes, taxes or not. Yep. But that was just something. Part. But I've never worked full time for anyone in my life, besides myself. Okay, that's crazy. That is. See, I think I worked for just about everyone. That's why I can't work for anybody else. There's nobody left. Nobody left will hire you. Yeah. yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, I had a rough go of it myself too. No, I guess that was the best employee. I, I never had worked. For, I'm trying to think about. It. I've never worked full time for anyone ever. I've had some pretty shitty jobs, man. Well, yeah. I had I had some crappy jobs too. I mean, I carried around dead pigs for a while. That wasn't fun. Dead pigs. Yeah, it's butcher yeah. shop. Yeah, yeah. That cleaning up all the meat machines oh, and everything. Man. And now I'm like down to just basically a bird only meat diet. You know, so <laughs> talk about a swing. Yeah, um, yeah you're going vegetarian. Aren't you? uh, it's going to be tough. I'd love to. I don't want to do. I don't want to support commercial farming. So um, I'm trying to get as far away from commercial farming. I'll definitely be pig free regardless. Um, but I'm down to pretty much turkey, chicken, and fish, and uh, yeah, pretty two much. legs, not four. Yeah, I, they had your barbecue last weekend. I I wanted to have the burger, but I was like, you know what? That's the smoked potato salad's just as good, and yeah, uh, nothing died to, to to you know have it here. So. Oh no, I murdered a shit out of those potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Stabbed them. They bled out slowly on the grills. Hey, well, I appreciate their sacrifice because it was the best smoked potato salad. The only smoked potato salad I've ever had in my life. Yeah, I don't know about best. You have to eat somebody else's. Well, it's the best for now, at least. Yeah, but no, no, I appreciate that. So that kind of leads us into something else I was thinking about. A lot of people tend to break the economy and success into like the national economy and national success or international, depending on how everything is going. But both you two found a way to do well during the recession, too. And that left you in a good good spot as we we're, I don't know if we're coming out of it. Things are improving somewhat. You can tell things are picking up. But what, what did you guys have to do to get through that downturn? Um, if it, or maybe it wasn't even a downturn. Maybe downturns for... For people with bad attitudes, I don't know what. Uh, what'd you have to do? Well, for me, it was actually the most money I ever made in my life was during the downturn, during the gold, doing the gold stuff. I mean, we had a, a week where we made uh, between your and I twenty five grand one week. Um, so we were we were living high on the hog while everyone else was struggling. Uh, but that that stuff doesn't happen by accident. You see an opportunity, you have to execute on it. And where other people twiddle their thumbs, I jump in full force, which is kind of my ADD personality jumping around. Um, but at the same time, 
you have to not be too scared to pull the trigger, and that relates right back to vesting also. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we just executed on it and ran with it. The, the concept, if I was to describe it to you, sounds absolutely asinine. You take a bunch of cash, you go in the hood, you buy a bunch of gold, you bring it back, melt it, and sell it. I mean, to, and you're showing up to people's houses you never have met in your life. Right? You think that might go poorly. Yeah, Compton I was in four times a week, right? So, you know, it's never been, but never had, Joe, never had an issue once. Compton with all the gold. I owned that city. I you had so much fun in that city. took a bag of cash to Compton and came out with gold. That's the God honest truth, too. You're and, stone uh, cold closer, Yeah, Joe. so it, uh, I think it's just all about opportunities. When one door shuts, another one opens, and you have to just, instead of being a victim of, um, a victim of things going on around you, you know, make it happen. I mean, you've, you've got two choices. Either you can let life come to you or you can take life by the uh, the bull by the horns, right? I was going to use a different analogy, but I'll stay professional. Bull by the horns. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. I like it. An intentional, <laughs> you, you went to life. Life didn't come to you. Right. And, and, and we're sitting in a KW office right now. And, um, Beautiful. A big KW, a big KW uh, term is being purposeful and intentful, which is words you used earlier. And you can be purposeful and intentful and, and dictate life and life design, or you can have life dictate to you. And... So I've pretty much, for the most part, I mean, I've, I've been feast or famine, but we're feasting again, and uh, I don't ever pay them to famine again, ever. So Like, I've done, I've done that. I've checked that box. I'm moving on. What about you, Steve? Yeah, same. I mean, I'm... I'm weren't you doing, like, a bulk note sale? Like, a, that... that how did you end up in that? Like uh, in the middle of the worst part of the recession. There's got to be yeah. smart people doing that. I'm, I don't think I'm smart enough for that. You know what? That honestly, that's one of the. There's like, too many I, zeros. It's such to scare I, me. I honestly, I felt <laughs> out of my element. I'm, I'm okay. Well, first of all, the, the recession was my growth period. It's the only time I made it. It's like Joe. That's the most money I've ever made in my life. I mean, I went from working for a title company making thirty something thousand a year to being able to make that in an afternoon flipping a house. So yeah. it's like holy shit. Um, life-changing life-changing and generation changing not just my life it's going to change all my kids lives yeah so but the note thing we got into it um well first of all we got into the note business because short sales they started making it very difficult to do a short sale the way we did them which was joe needs to sell his house we're going to buy it we're going to negotiate with the bank to buy his house for less than what he owes and then we're going to sell it to jeremy Jeremy doesn't want to sit around and wait for six months for us to negotiate with Joe's lender. Joe, Jeremy comes in, you know, 30 days before a closing date and he just wants to pick a house and buy it and close. Well, they start making it very difficult for us to be able to flip the houses with different restrictions, deed restrictions, restrictions in the approval letter. So it got to the point where the three biggest lenders had these restrictions. We could not do short sales. So we had to find another way to do business. And buying non-performing notes seemed like the next best thing, right? We can't buy the, the house for less than what they owe. So why don't we just buy the mortgage that's secured by the house? Yeah. So I mean, you're buying that for pennies right? on the dollar, yeah. right? We, bought, we then, bought one, and then we bought another one, and then we bought 125 But your lead time on that is going to be exponentially more. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was – well, honestly, that's one of the biggest mistakes that we made was we didn't factor in – it took – at least twice as long as we thought of right. it. Right, yeah. Um, Which was how long? Part of years. I mean, part of it, they're, they're still working it out. My former partner is still working some of it out. <laughs> but part of it is... It's intense. 
they didn't do what we initially had. We were flippers. We we're going to buy these notes and then flip them out individually. Oh, so yeah. we're buying a package of 125 of them, and I'm going to sell you 10. I'm going to sell Jeremy a couple. I'm going to sell this guy a couple. Yeah, yeah. We did that in the beginning and then somehow got away from that. And I kept trying to get us back into that mode of sell, 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 and we never quite got there. And I think that was one of our biggest mistakes. The second thing was uh, there was a whole lot more to that than just flipping the house. There was the debt. There was a lot of influence from our investors and from people that we brought in that did that type of work where they were after that debt. So they owed $100,000 on a house that was only worth twenty. They saw eighty grand in potential income there, I guess, if you will, where we could chase that eighty grand and maybe we can get eight of it or something. But I don't know what their thought. My thought process was: all I care about is the is the real estate, and that's what I wanted to get the real estate and flip the real estate. So the reason I got out of it, one of the reasons I got out of it was I, that's how I felt. We're in New York City. I'm in Times Square. I'm wearing suits and I'm dealing. I'm hanging out with people from like Chase and GMAC and Wells Fargo and like huge corporations. Just, I mean, I just felt uncomfortable. I like. I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt. I'm hanging out with you guys and you know we'll talk and just bullshit. They will do that after like at the bar and whatever. They partied like crazy too. That was the other thing. They're a little fucking crazy. Too crazy for they me. They are. They are. And uh, like. Wolf of Wall Street, that, that's not a joke. That show is crazy. I, I can't handle that. That's too much for me. And I honestly, I didn't feel comfortable. It's too much Coke. Too much Coke. I never yeah. did that shit. <laughs> so, but like, I, you know, I, I think I'm a smart guy, but I, I just, I don't know. I wouldn't say that I didn't feel smart enough, but I was definitely intimidated by certain people. I mean, dealing with people that are running $40 million hedge funds and they're like the little guys. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm supposed to compete with these 40 guys. million? And that was like a, he was like a teeny tiny. The like first one on the yeah. ladder. Yeah. yeah. So. I know how you feel. I was, I remember I was sitting in, was it 2009? I was in Manhattan on 50th floor or something, sitting down with a hedge fund, all dressed up, flew in, all that. They wanted to do a bunch of deals. I even negotiated and worked out some stuff and then went home. And a week later, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> These guys have lawyers on retainer. They'll probably come over and eat me a piece at a time. So I, I kind of bailed on that. I always wonder what would happen if I did it. But I know exactly. I felt so out of place. Yeah. And I felt like I would just get murdered. I just wow. you get thrown out on the street. I see. That's. I think that's one thing um, different about me is when I sit in those rooms, I look at everybody and I'm like, well, these guys, I'm not, they're not, they don't work harder. I mean, yeah. they're not smarter than my wife. I don't see any reason we can't make more money than they do. Man, you know? I was so intimidated. No. I probably should have had that attitude. I was just, but that was back during when all the lawsuits were starting to happen mm, too, and I yeah. was, I was kind of in a duck and cover yeah. situation. Right. You're a little puckered up. Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah. already. the The intensity was high. Yeah, and, uh, I was really scared. And I was kind of getting defensive too. So. Sure, but I remember being very intimidated by wow. it, and you know, you're going up an elevator, fifty floors. And their conference room is bigger than your current house, you know, and everything's glad. It looked like something out of, uh, I don't watch a lot of TV. Do you guys remember that Boston, whatever, lawyer? What was that? Boston. Boston, Boston Legal. Legal. Oh. Remember how their offices looked? That's what it looked like. Not really, but. It's like they had about $50 million just in glass. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I just have this extra money lying around. I'll buy glass. 
was like, boy. Well, I think you have to have a slight delusional quality about you. To, and Will Smith talks about it to you know change history. And you know you look at you look in the room, and I'm in the KW stuff now, and uh, we just got back from Mega Camp, and I look on stage, and I'm like, you know, the guy's doing 200, 300 million. I mean, Holy I know God. they don't. I know they don't work harder. You know what I mean? And uh, so I know they don't work harder, and I know I've got a Six Sigma Master Black Belt running the opposite of the business. So. Um, you know, all we got to do is generate the sales because I know the ops is taken care of. And uh, hire more people. That's yeah, it. hire more people and be in the right circles and just do the right things. It's just a numbers game. That's all it is. It's a numbers game. Uh, and in with a foundation of customer service, you can't just be transactional based. Um, so we're talking business here. I mean, it's always with the assumption that the customer service is beyond belief. So um, yeah, that's, I don't see any reason we're looking in there. I mean. Maybe maybe five hundred million in three years is more the uh, the, the norm. You know, there, there's Lance Loken in Houston's going for three eighty right now. Why in three years can't he be a five hundred? Wow! So three hundred eighty million dollars. Yeah, that's a few more zeros than I have. That's crazy. Well, I'm not saying he's making three eighty; he's selling three eighty. Three eighty, whatever. Yeah, well, okay, but do three percent of that. Yeah, that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot of money, right? But he's got thirty five, forty people working with him. Yeah. So. Um, What's well, the highest performer in in Michigan? A hundred million? A little uh, I think I think uh, he'll remain unnamed, but I think they'll do about. He's he's working on pushing a thousand units, so that'll probably be. If he hits his thousand units, that'll be one hundred seventy, one hundred eighty million. Mm-hmm. How many closings is that per business day? <laughs> so like, it's probably like five, wow. five and a half. Okay, it's not that crazy. It's not that. I know it's not that crazy. He just has a good. You team. take the top three people in Michigan. You combine them. You have Lance Loken in Houston. Wow, right? One so, dude. Yeah. So I mean, though, what seems crazy to us isn't really that crazy. And there's a big world out there. Yeah, you know? it's a huge world. Is there higher real estate prices in Houston, or is he just? Well, I'm sure his average sale price is higher. Yeah, yeah. I have no doubt. Yeah. But just about everywhere almost has a higher sales price. Man. Well, maybe not everywhere, but a lot of places. My, our average sale price is 175. I mean, we look stuff in the 400, 500. I got one coming for 800. But we're also knocking out the, you know, you us three have a nine thousand dollar deal together. You know, so yeah. it's, uh, it's yep. you know, so I, I, I don't say no. You never bite the hand that feeds you. So no, still impressive. Well, what is it? What do you think it's? How do you wake up every day? How uh, what? I'm always, I'm always interested in this, and, and I struggle with I struggle a lot with daily goals and things. Like I'm really good at figuring out what I want and all that, but sometimes just being motivated, getting inspired to do this, get kicked in the teeth. Um, I don't know. Maybe you had a rougher start in life, or whatever. What, what, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What keeps you? I mean, I, I always remember being driven. But not every day is the same as the last day. So what do you think? What does it for you guys? What works? What doesn't? I'll let you lead. Well, I mean, really, the first is my kids, my family, taking, making sure they're taken care of and that, uh, you know, that everything on that front is taken care of. But just, um, you know, just knowing that I am able to, that I'm in control of my future and what I what I'm able to do. I mean, that's empowering. That's motivating right there. There's certainly days where I don't feel it and I don't feel like I don't want to do anything or I'm down and out. <clears throat> on my most successful days or on the days where I feel like I'm killing it, <clears throat> I get up and I just have that fire and that drive to go and to make shit happen. Whatever it is that I'm doing, like the one thing, 
Today, the one thing I'm doing is this podcast, and yeah. it's going to be the best fucking podcast we've done yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of It the is, because of these microphones. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> but that's the kind of attitude that I'm trying to take, and certainly when I'm the best, um, Steve, that when I'm the most motivated, motivated, that's kind of the way yeah, I Yeah, but were you always things. like that? Or? No, not at all. Okay. How did you get I was there? Just Paul, I, you know what? I'm not even sure. I don't really know when it, when it happened. I know it wasn't in my 20s. Because no. I was just thinking about this the other day. I said, if I would have had the motivation and the drive <clears throat> and even some of the knowledge that I have in my 30s, if I had that in my 20s, that drive and that motivation, I would be, it'd be worlds different from right now. We'd be talking on Book, not Facebook. You know what Steve I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Steve 20 years awesome. ago, I was running in a gang and selling drugs and trying not to go to prison. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a big difference. Yeah. So I don't know where exactly it came from other than I moved to East Lansing. I see my best friend graduate college, and I'm like, I'm going to do that someday. I still haven't. I don't think I need to. But you know what I mean? Like, I I don't know exactly where it was other than maybe going back to that first paycheck again where knocking on a door and I get like six grand for knocking on a door, more than I made in over two months, probably three months' salary. Don't oversimplify it, though. I mean, you knocked on the door, but you had to execute on the opportunity. Knocking on the door is just the first The first. All portion. I did, literally, all I did was knock on the door and introduce the homeowner that I was trying to get a hold of to, like, Jeremy. I mean, yeah, but if you never met Jeremy, you wouldn't have known what to do with it. So preparation True. meets opportunity. True. You know, it's, you just, it's not just knocking on the door. Yeah. Knocking on the door is the hard thing for people, but, That's true. you know, it's preparation meets opportunity, and... Um, that that's what equals success. If you're never prepared, then you don't know what opportunity is. Yeah. You know that's that's a hundred. I don't need when I when we look at rentals now. I don't need a spreadsheet. I know what stuff's going for in the area. I know it's a good deal. I know what the repairs are. So the last deal we bought, I didn't even I didn't even pull comps because I don't need to pull comps. I know where it goes. Yeah, in you the already area. know the comps. I already know the You're comps. All the time. I literally was driving away from the house. Right. So uh, on your situation, you. Uh, Hell, look at us and our deal. I, I find something in Detroit now. Now something coming in Redford. Do I go out there and try to figure out? Oh, well, let's let's try and take the hard path. Right. No, I call the people who are selling stuff in the area and I put them put the deal with them and they do it. You know what I mean? But if I never went to RDI and I never met you guys, then I'm out there and I'm that's just that's just going being lit lit on fire. Money opportunity being lit on fire, right? So I, I don't want to stop you in the middle of your talk, but no, that's I just I good. can't I can't let you slide and say it's just the door knock because it's not the door knock. If no. you never networked with Jeremy and didn't take those steps in advance, right. you know it just doesn't happen because you ran into it. It happened because you were preparing, preparing, preparing. Then you knew what opportunity was and you executed on it. So this stuff doesn't happen by accident. Well, certainly no, but the door, when the door opened, I walked through it. I mean, I saw, exactly. I recognized this is an opportunity to do something different. And I didn't know if it was going to work or not, but I tried it anyways, and it obviously it worked out, right. you know, much better. So. Yeah, that's awesome. What about you, Joe? What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going second, you got to repeat the question. We may have to have Joe go yeah. first. Do you yeah. remember when the door opened, when you decided, when... Uh, when it no longer became a factor, it sounds like you you, know, you were always like that, maybe a little bit. But um, when did when did you essentially decide? You know what? I'm going for it. There's mm-hmm. you did all you can. There's a gap. Well, you were asking about daily motivation, right? Yes. So daily, what, what gets you there? Yeah, daily motive. Well, I think a big portion of it is my girlfriend at the time, wife now. 
she doesn't have those days in which she gets up. She's not a feeler. Well, I don't feel like doing this. No one cares what you feel like doing. It's what That's we're doing. True. And she's not some. She's a bit of a ball buster, but she's not a natural. She's a. Um, she's not a jerk. She's just a goer. You know what I mean? And so it's irrelevant what you feel like. This is everyone else is counting on you. This is what we need to do. Like no one cares what you feel like doing. What you feel like doing is completely irrelevant. It probably is the least relevant of anything. It's these are the tasks that need to get done today. So let's do them. And I'm more of the free spirit kind of bounce around, right? Um, so that's kind of reined me in since um, I think growing up together has done a big portion of that. Um, and then now at the at the level we are at today, it's everyone else is counting on us. Us being her and I, and everyone else is counting on me to generate business. So I'm not. I have family that's in our business. I have friends that are in our business. I have friends as clients. If I just decide, hey, I'm I'm going to coast it in today and flip on the TV and you know watch some reruns of Housewives. Well, guess what? You know the business is going down, not up. Hashtag real talk. Yeah. So it's um, there's no feeling if you're a feeler and eat the frog, man. Eat the yeah. frog. Whatever sucks. Whatever you hate the most. Wake up and do it first. And then guess what? The worst thing you could have done all day, just it's already done. So you're only going downhill from there, right? Or you're only going downhill because you've already climbed over, you know, not downhill in the sense that the day sucks from there. It's easier uh, yeah. the rest of the day. So eat the frog is a big uh Isn't that Brian Tracy or something yeah, like Brian that? Tracy Brian book. Tracy, yeah. Eat the frog, Brian Tracy. Is that is it's a book or something? Yeah, isn't it? I just know the saying. Eat that frog. Um, eat that frog. Yeah. I'm not a big reader. I'll listen to stuff. It's not an audio book. I probably haven't heard it because I just is. I don't. I'm too ADD to. So you hear that? Something. You don't even have to read to do this business, <laughs> man. You just got to be able to listen. Yeah. Um, so that's that's I. And while Steve was talking, I was thinking about it, and it's since I've been an entrepreneur since basically 18, um, and been with my wife since 18. She's not a feeler. We just always went and did it, and it's just that's what it comes down to. There's no feeling in life. Massive so when you action. talk about waking up in the morning, you don't. You know, maybe you don't feel like doing something. Um, the answer would be no one cares. You know? <laughs> and that's true. <laughs> you know, no one cares. These are the things that you need to get done today. And then once you get done with those things, then you can look to see what your feelers are. You know, and uh, that's time blocking, right? Well, from nine to eleven, I don't care if I'm. I was lead genning on Friday when I felt like complete crap. I was doing uh, post close follow ups, asking people if they needed anything from us, they needed referrals that they could review us. You know what I mean? So I don't care if you're sick. In fact, you're probably more endearing when you're sick, when you're calling, because people appreciate that. So when you were talking about earlier RDI people calling and swearing at you, a businessman appreciates another businessman working hard and going mm-hmm. for sales. So I guarantee those people aren't very successful. I appreciate guarantee that. It. And you're probably right. Most, you know, most of you suck. So, and hey, I suck for a little well, while, too. Yeah. But it's just one of those things. When someone call, code calls me... I, I appreciate what they're doing, and I actually pivot the conversation because we're looking to start an ISA division. The conversation changes to, well, what's your compensation look like? I don't care what they're calling me about. I'm picking their brain, trying to figure out the way in which they're set up. Well, like maybe to take a away. better opportunity and you need to explore it? Well, just I want to know nationally what are – okay, so I know what it is inside the real estate industry, industry compensation, but I'm curious if you're co-calling me about selling magnets on, on a fridge for the pizza shop, what's the pizza shop paying you? I'm curious competitively because I don't want turnover within my ISA division once we launch it. So, okay. What is ISA? Inside sales agent. Inside sales So like a, a, a nurturer, someone who nurtures leads. Right? Yeah. So okay. follow-up. So instead of you doing follow-up, you said you don't like doing warm calls. Well, why would you not look to get that? If you don't like doing it, then do it until you can afford not no, to. I like warm calls. I don't like cold calls. 
Good news calls. Yeah, good news. That's right. Yeah. Good news calls, yeah. people. They're not cold calls anymore. They're good news calls. Yeah. So, anyways, that's a long-winded answer to your. No, I like it. Question. I remember. I remember when I decided. Where I, when I th- when I knew I could make it. Anyway, is that that tough deal I did where I didn't have the money and it ended up being closing? I figured if I could survive that for, I think I made like thirty two hundred, thirty three hundred dollars after all splits and everything was done. I figured if I could do that, I could probably make it in this business. And um, yeah, and I and I think I did. So basically, Mary Wright. Right, basically, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. you need you don't need marry support. A loser. No, you need. That's not about a loser. You need someone who supports you, and it, they don't have to be in your business, like my wife is, or you know, your wife is right now, but she maybe long term won't be. They don't need to be in your business, but they need to support your business and understand what you're doing. And um, you can't have that person that's beating you down. They need to be propping you up. And if someone's beating you down, you're probably with the wrong person. Yes, yeah, spouses. Yeah. If you're listening, entrepreneurial life is difficult. Uh, maybe be a little bit more supportive, you know. I don't know. Throw that out there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty lucky with that, but uh, I have had a taste of it, and it is not good. Yeah, it makes life very difficult very quickly. So if you're listening and you're that nagging spouse or that, you know, maybe change your tune a little bit. But if they are doing the wrong things, put a foot right in their ass. Yeah, you know, wrong I mean? still that's, wrong. That's, yeah. So you know, be supportive. But if they're out there saying how uh, I had, I was sitting in one of my real estate classes, and she said she's in there because she wants her husband to think she has a job. Well, guess what? You need a foot right in yeah. your ass. You know, wow. you don't need she to be. She told so- you that. Yeah, she's announced it to the class. You know, she's like, I want my husband to think I'm working, so we're here and I'm, I'm here in this training. Yeah, and I'm like, shitty I'm like, oh yeah. my god. Yeah, that so. No, but just be, you know, be supportive. It doesn't even, you, like you said, you don't have to be involved in the business. My wife's not really involved in, in the business, but she understands and she supports what I do. And sometimes there's a really late night, especially if it's like an RDI and we're all the way down in Corktown or whatever. And uh, it's 930 before I'm rolling out of Corktown. And I live an hour plus away. So, yeah. you know, I try to keep those things to a minimum, but she understands. Certainly, like when I'm here like this, you know, spending my day doing a podcast with you guys, these are things that are important i can work from home that's one really cool thing though about being an entrepreneur right i can be here with you guys today i can be at starbucks tomorrow where we have four closings tomorrow so three closings tomorrow my phone's ringing nice that's awesome um, so you know i can be here i can be at the closing i can be at home i worked from home from basically last wednesday all last the last of the week we yeah. still had some shit getting most of our closings yeah. are getting done and stuff so and just for for those listening it it is well worth following. Go to stevebuyshousesfast.com, give them a follow, and go to The Delia Group, T-H-E-D-E-L-I-A group.com, and I will put this in the show notes. Um, these people are worth following, regardless of whether you're interested in real estate, entrepreneurship, or not. If you just like being surrounded by winners and not a bunch of fucking losers, they're worth following, and they're good people, so, so go check that out. So what about... Let's open. Let's open it up. Because I'm looking for some new stuff too. Favorite podcasts, favorite blogs, favorite CDs. Joe's like, no, just dial. <laughs> no, no. dial I'm dial. not at that point yet, but it will be soon. Yeah, yeah. he's like, that's tomorrow, oh, yeah. today. Um, yeah. 
where, where, your sources of information, your training. I like. I know you just came back from. Was it the Keller Williams yeah. Mega Camp? Yeah, Mega Camp. Talk about that a little bit. Uh, it's essentially Gary Keller says it's Mega Camp, not Average Camp. So um, you know, it's it's basically the best in the business. They're up on stage and they're giving best practices and what. So out of this office, Jim's out of this office um, that I'm with. Also, he was on stage talking about hyper local marketing. He's dominated a couple communities locally where he has the vast majority of the market share, and no one else is even close. Well, how did he do that? So he's up there speaking about that. Other guys are talking about running big open houses. Other guys are talking about scripts and, and cold calling. Other people are talking about expansion markets where they have agents in Scottsdale and Florida and Washington and you know you name it, they've got seven, eight different areas. Well, how the hell are they doing that, right? So there's panels of three people up there and talking about best practices. So you know, for me, I'm I'm there just living a dream because that's you're talking about. What do you study? I'm I'm online friending the best people nationally yep. um, and picking their brains. And you know, some of them don't respond. But a big thing in KW is uh, you've got a hand up on the ladder, reaching up, and then you've got a hand down. So someone's pulling you up, and you're pulling someone around below you. And uh, I like that. Yeah, that and that's that's a big model nationally. Now, of course, everyone doesn't. Not everyone you're going to get that reception from. But if you ask enough people. Um, more often than not, they're willing to shell. You know, I, I talked to Perna the other day. I'm like, hey, I'd love to see what your follow-up plan is and what kind of emails you have. He goes, and I'm like, and we'll just kind of, you know, we won't go exactly and just kind of do something. He goes, just copy it. That's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's That's not awesome. far out of our market. He's he's yeah. he's right up the road. You know, he's like, just do exactly what we do. And it's like, that's the motto. You know what I mean? They're willing to share anything. I, I can text text a, a vast number of people what's your average profit margin what are you running profit margin wise and they'll text right back they literally are telling me how much money they make every year yeah. wow you know and uh, so they did give you the blueprint so long long winded answer to your question I'm studying if you name it these top guys nationally I'm trying to just like I said earlier I'm not a genius I'm just rip off and copy what the best people are doing um, and that's smart what, uh, enough so to I follow try. good directions right give me the rules yeah. to the game I'm going to figure out how to win and right. uh, so I'm trying to figure out what the rules are so we can figure out how to win so you kind of have a built-in support network with uh, Keller Williams. So a lot of your training, everything you're learning, all yeah. comes from well, KW. Just got named the largest or the best, the number one training and consult. They consider themselves a training and consulting company that happens to do real estate, and they just got named the top training company in the world, all industries. So that's beating out your General Electric, your you name it. Um, they just got named number one in the world. So I mean, if if you choose to seize that opportunity. You know, um, and you see the opportunity, the the world's open. You don't go from seven and a half to forty million without a ton of support yeah. around you. No, that's true. You know, that's a big jump. Day one of joining this office, um, we picked up uh, Jim's checklist of what they do across the board, and we handed them our tracker. And we both we're both better because of it now. Yeah. And there's plenty of business to go around. Oh yeah, plenty of business. You know how many listing appointments I've competed with Jim on? None. Not yeah. one. <laughs> Not one. Wow. <laughs> You know, so there's plenty of business to go around. Now, I'm sure we're going to run into each other a fair amount going forward, but um, yeah. It's, Any uh, audio books, podcasts? Oh, I'm, I'm always listening to stuff. Um, Millionaire Real Estate Agent is a staple if you're going to be an agent. Keller, yeah. right? and, and if you're an investor, it's Millionaire Real Estate Investor. Um, and really, I've read that one. That's excellent. Yeah. yeah. Gary Keller doesn't put out garbage. He's, no. You know, so. Really, any book by Gary Keller, the one thing. So you're talking about uh, the one thing, long story short, summarize, is what's the one thing you can do in anything in your life to make it, what's the one thing you can do in your marriage to make it exponentially better, right? So why not do that one thing uh, consistently and block out everything else? The rest is just noise. It's classic 80-20 rule. Yep. Um, for real estate, the long story short is lead gen. And that doesn't matter if it's investing 
or, or being a realtor, uh, lead gen, by having more leads, everything else will be better in your life. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what it is. Um, if it's your health, what is it? Like doing this one thing. And, and for your health, it's running. You know, Who are the skinny people in the world? They run. You know what I mean? Long story short, I, have you ever met someone who runs a lot and is fat? No. I haven't. You know, it's just not possible, right? Um, and if you can't run, then it's swimming, you know? So it's just what is that one thing in every aspect? And the one thing is an amazing book. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher, you know what I mean? You should read the one thing. Right. So what's actually, the one I, thing I, to make your classroom run better? I listening to it this morning. Yeah. And, uh, you, re- you and Tommy recommended it, and Joe actually, or, uh, Steve actually just sent it to me. So yep. I appreciate that, Steve. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Audible. They have a new service called One Book, so I can share... Uh, up to the same book up to 10 times with no 10 different people. Nice. And the the listener, the the receiver, their first book is free. So That's cool. The, the one thing was free. And then the next one, I don't know, you know what they charge. But yeah. Probably. It's a, pretty awesome. Probably a fraction of it. Yeah, it's, it's not. What a great way for them. You're, you're doing their lead, their, their customer cost acquisition. Yeah. Well, know? I've been trying to figure out how to share audiobooks other than download it, convert it to an MP3, and share yeah. it that way. Just an easy one-click for well over a year. We've been talking about this since last year. There was a couple of books, yeah. Grant Cardone books, that I wanted to share with you. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and we've got I one of our guys. the correct. one thing today, by the it's way. It's worth every dollar. Com, so I'm going to have it, yeah, because I asked that. I'm not going to ask and be told and not have it, but I appreciate the, the head start by Steve. Plus, I like to listen to it better anyway. Yeah. You, I think we probably all do more listening than we actually do reading just because of time issues. Well, and for me, it's ADHD issues. I, I, I'm not going to sit there and read a book. Frankly, my eyesight's getting worse. I don't have glasses, and I probably won't get glasses. So just, <laughs> Why do I need know? to see a flip and sell? I don't need yeah. to see. I'm just, I, yeah, I, I, I'd rather listen to things uh, and take notes. Stuff? Listen to things and take notes while I'm, while I'm driving. Driving, I mean, what, a, what an opportunity to improve on yourself while you're driving. Um, you know, listen to audiobooks, and sometimes you got to put in music, but really it should be more audio books and then throwing in music when you're getting stale mentally from from it gets mundane. So, yeah. um, instead of listening to music all the time, an occasional audiobook. So, yeah, I love audiobooks. I know, Steve, what do you listen to? I know you listen to a ton of podcasts ton of stuff, and yeah. stuff like that. What are some of your favorites? That's okay. Oh, let's see. Steve just tried to kill his iPhone, throw my phone, and your monster. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, obviously, I love the Joe Rogan podcast. That's not business-related, but that's... Um, love it. It's just a great thing to listen to. I actually credit I, I, Joe Rogan, who will never listen to this, and your podcast, <laughs> The Joe Rogan Experience, is why I'm here doing this right now. So I've never listened to it, Joe, so I don't care. Yeah. I, I love you, Joe. So, the, the other, there's one, actually, there's, there's a personal development podcast called Warrior on Fire that I think is really cool. That's geared towards like married businessmen. Um, the guy's name is Garrett J. White. He's cool, cool dude. I like him a lot. Warrior but, on fire. Warrior on fire. Gary White. Garrett. Garrett. Garrett J. White. Garrett. But the, the is he a ginger sounds like a ginger name. You know what? He kind of is a ginger. <laughs> I think he does kind of like gingery. <laughs> Joe Golden. <laughs> but he's a super athlete, and he would probably nice. tear me from piece to piece. But um, don't hurt us. We <laughs> like you. <laughs> Business wise, uh, I really like Entrepreneur on Fire. Um, that is uh, John Lee Dumas. I don't know if you know who, who that is. It's a it's a business and entrepreneurial podcast. Um, it's it's very digital internet marketing heavy, I guess you'd say. But it's a, it's a really good business business podcast. Um, I don't really listen to a ton of 
uh, real estate related podcast. I do listen to uh, Sean Terry's Flip to Freedom Ultimate Real Estate Investing Podcast, something like that. It's called. Yeah, I love his. It's yeah. really good. Book You're right, songs. you do have to get over his voice, though. He does the, the radio voice. Hey, hey welcome hey, to you. people <laughs> listening. Yeah. But who the fuck am I to criticize that guy, right? How many yeah. people does he have listening to him? Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to try not to do the same shit, but uh, books-wise, of course, I've got the one thing. I'm about halfway through that. <clears throat> I, I have a, a ton of audiobooks. So I, I like, I've got a lot of Grant Cardone. Grant Cardone is a sales trainer. Um, he helps salespeople... Uh, blow explode their business basically whether you're a car salesman you're a real estate agent or real estate investor um general if you're in sales that dude can teach you to take your sales to the next level and he's got tons of different books the 10x rule is one of my favorites that's probably yeah one of our guys just brought that up to me and yeah probably what he's most known for is the 10x rule he's got another one like sell or be sold um if you're not first, you're last. The closer survival guide, so you know things like that. I have a couple recommendations actually that you might like. A Keller Williams agent, um, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Yeah, I've, I haven't read it, but I've heard of that. It. It's, it's, it's who is really it? good? It's a KW uh, agent. No, it's uh, it was it was Mark Z. You know Mark Z. Who? He's a Keller Williams agent. Yeah, um, who? Never heard of. Him. Uh, cool dude, and he um, recommended that book to me, and I, I listened to it. It's actually if you since you run a team, it is it's a Really, really good. It's on the list. Yeah. So it's called the five. Big list, I'm sure. Yeah. The five dysfunctions of a team. Seven levels of communication. I just started. That's really good. Uh, Patrick Lenkiani. Patrick. By the way, this will all be in the show notes. What was it? Seven Seven levels of communication. That's a good one too. Who's that by? I don't know. That's all right. I'll Google it. These will be in the show notes, people too. If you're listening on the road, don't crash or text or write it down. (laughs) I'll put that shit in the show notes. So. You don't have to worry about it going anywhere. But, um, yeah, I, I, man, Gary Keller's stuff is good. I don't know why I didn't think about looking that up later. I loved his book, The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. Talk about, I wish I had that book. I read that shit in 2008. I felt like an idiot. All the terrible things I learned through trial and error, losing tens of thousands of dollars, if I just would have spent 20 bucks on the fucking book in 2005, I could have saved myself 90% of that. And I haven't read it, but I'm going to guess it's it's all about systems and processes and business building, uh, which is very much about millionaire real estate investors. Well, lots of what not to do, too, which if I can't... Have you read Hold yet? No. You're not a holder, but... uh, I was a holder. Hold is... That pivoted my whole life. That's why I'm an agent. (laughs) I stopped flipping after Whoa, reading Hold. Okay, yeah. Hold by by Gary Keller. Hold by yeah. Gary Keller. Yeah. So tell me how this changed your life, man. Well, I read it and I said, you know what? I'm just going to hold property, and instead, I'm going to just be the agent and pick up property as I come across deals. And uh, that one book completely changed. You're yeah, be I was trying Flipper? to find my next flip after uh, after that Mount Clemens deal, and I was reading Hold towards the end of it, and I'm like, you know what? Screw that. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go the agent thing, and I'm gonna run into deals by knowing the market, and I'm gonna pick them up, and we're up to four now. Two are free and clear, and these aren't you know slum properties; these are hundred plus thousand dollar properties. Yes, yeah. um, so, Royal Oak stuff, nice stuff, right? Yeah. Higher in markets. Yeah, Royal Oak. We picked that one up for one thirty five. Just picked one up at uh, east of Hoover, south of Martin, for eighty two. That appraised for a hundred. Pay cash on that. Um, picked up another one, Shaner and uh, Shaner and twelve. Uh, bought that for eighty nine cash, um, and then we've got our own place that I think we've got 
probably from purchase price plus renovation, we've probably got fifteen to twenty thousand dollars in equity on just in that. So um, it's just about buying right. And like I said, when, when you're in the market and you know the market, you don't need to look up the market. You already know the market. Yeah. So you know what a deal is. Renee found that one actually the the latest one. She's like, this one just came out in our neighborhood for ninety five, and it's like ninety five. What's wrong? Got it out. I'm like no, it's fine. And uh, went over there, offered him. I didn't want another hassle, but I'd take another hassle on for $80,000, and I got stage fright, offered 82000 And uh, they tried to counter a couple times, and I said, no, I'm going to stay at eighty two because I really don't want this house. I, I do want it for eighty two, but I don't want it for a dollar more. And uh, they took it. Did you say that? I don't want it for a dollar more? I just said, listen, I'm, I'm only offering eighty two. I'm not going to jerk you around the inspection period. Like, if, if it works for you at eighty two, it works for me. It doesn't work for me anything else. So... Um, I know your answer is no, so if it happens to be yes, just give me a call. All right, I'm going to put you both on the spot because we just rattle off a lot of books, and I'll put them all in the show notes. But if you're looking for where to start, Steve, one book. If you had to read one book this month to, to get off your ass, get your business going, change your life, what would that one book be? Well, I think I think it for everyone. Joe, what is it? Probably Think and Grow Rich is one of them for wow. sure. Okay. Well, which yeah. one, though? Which one should they read right now? You would, you would take that over uh, uh, Kiyosaki's... Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I think everyone, a foundation, I think as a, as a, as a high schooler... You well, who are we talking about? Kiyosaki's like what, what kind of... Who's, who's the avatar? What's our... Let's not break it down into something too... Well, <laughs> I, I, what I'm, I figure if, if there's someone like us, they're already out there doing shit, they'll make their own decisions and they'll figure out their own way. But... If you can say something to yourself, you remember, I don't know, for me, there were several months where I was in between, where I can go left instead of right, and maybe if I write a book, or, you know, maybe somebody's out there listening right now, and you're like, you know, this sounds really interesting, this Joe guy, or the Steve guy, I realize, I'm thinking I want to do that, you know, I got the wife and kids, or I'm, I'm a loser, I'm, whatever, what would be the one book, you know, sometimes you all gotta, you need to yeah. latch on to is the one thing to do today. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is the first book you should start with in life to set a foundation, live well below your means. Did you listen to Sterling's latest podcast, Josh no, Sterling's? No, I flagged okay, it. so he constantly, and Josh has become a friend of mine. Hold on, this is Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right. Robert Kiyosaki. Right, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then next, and that sets a mindset up, and then next is Millionaire Real Estate Investor, which then sets up your the business aspect of your investing business, or if you're looking to become on the retail side of things, millionaire real estate agent. Um, and those are your two foundational books. And then I think books like, for me personally, Think and Grow Rich, and you know that starts to expand your horizons, but you set your mindset right, and then it sets the business, your business mind right. Because if you're out there, if your lifestyle increases as your income increases, you're never making, you're, you're never living on more. Yeah. You're just living a bigger lifestyle, which then falls harder and faster. One of the reasons why I live in Detroit. What about you, Steve? Well, I d- definitely say Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, to go a little bit, because I, I think both of those choices are great. So to go away from that, honestly, this would be a good one for someone that wants to do what I do, wholesale, wholesaling houses. Uh, it's free or it costs maybe a buck or ten bucks or something. But Sean Terry's ebook, uh, you can get it free, Flip to Freedom. Flip to Freedom. Sean Terry's ebook, Flip it's to Freedom. It's an ebook that will give you enough of an idea of what to do. But it'll certainly give you an idea of that you can do it, I think. So what is wholesaling? Let's, let's describe sure. wholesaling. I, I probably should have started that within the beginning, but 
what is it? Everybody knows what a real estate agent is. That's what Joe is. He's a killer real estate agent. But what, what, what is wholesaling? What is a wholesaler, Steve? So wholesaling real estate, basically what I do, I go out and find motivated sellers that want to sell their property. And I put the house under contract to buy it for, say, $50,000. And then I go out and find someone that wants to buy that property and will pay, say, $60,000. And I make the 10000 in between. That's the, the rough 10,000 foot view, I guess you'd say. Yeah. And that's, that is called an assignment, correct? Yeah. 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 So put it under contract, find somebody else. Well, that's getting into specifics, really, because the, the main thing, find a seller that wants to sell, right? Lock them up. Find someone that wants to buy that property. Lock them up. You can lock them up with an assignment. You're going to assign the right you have in your purchase agreement with seller to your buyer. But find a motivated seller and find a buyer that wants to buy a, a property that under market value, and you put the two together, and that's wholesaling. Cash check. Cash, cash only. It's always that easy, but uh, there's obviously a whole team and system and all that stuff behind it, just yeah. like with Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You can do it as a one-man band. I started as a one-man band. Um, you can grow into it. You can start it. You can do this business part-time while you're working a full-time job all by yourself and make an additional forty to fifty grand a year easily part-time. So, How many good wholesalers do you know Ugh. locally? One. No, I'm just right. So no, every, everyone says they're going to wholesale, and I know you two, uh, and maybe two. And I'm not heavy into it, but maybe two other local guys that say a half dozen. Locally, I know like legit that are I uh, full time professional honest. wholesalers. There's three that I think are off the top of my head, and then there's probably three to five more that are part timers that are doing it. They may do a deal here and there. They're wholesalers. Um, but People that are making the 40 to 50 time. that you were talking about. Yeah, five, five to seven or probably. Five to seven, yeah. 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 So I always I always get people that say, oh, I'm going to get in because they know I've done investing. I'm going to get into it in wholesale. I'm yeah. like, okay, call Steve. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm going to Robert Kiyosaki's class. I'm like, that's not wholesale. How about you just hand Steve your money and he yeah. will he will, he will will point you in the actual direction in which Steve gets, yeah. it goes. That's what, what I did. That's what I did. I would say this. I am a very skeptical person by nature, and it's a lot of uh, how to do, how I was raised, and how I was treated, and all that. You have to be really careful um, who you take advice from. And this is not advice, by the way. Remember that legal disclaimer? So don't fucking sue me. <laughs> but I myself, I look at the people doing it, and if they're not doing it, I don't give a shit what they have to say. I mean, they might be right, but I just figure they lack all credibility period and report if I want to be the best real estate agent in the world then I'm not going to take advice from some part-time I mean there's nothing wrong with being a part-time real estate agent right right and if that's your goal you need to find another part-time real so let's say I'm not even shooting this down let's say you're a stay-at-home mom or dad and you got to take care of kids and you're like you know I want to get into this I like what Joe Steve Jeremy's saying there's nothing wrong with being a part-time real estate agent. So your goal would be, how do I make as much money as I can in real estate while taking care of my kids at home? Yep. Then you might want to find a part-time real estate agent who's pretty successful, who could spend time at home. But my point is, find the person doing what you want to do, who's doing it well, or doing it the way you want to do it, or would like to do it, 
and just become invaluable to that person. Just insert yourself into that person's life. Um, and or if they have a book, buy it, a podcast, follow it, something. Um, one thing I got myself in a lot of trouble, and I don't want to mention any names, Robert Allen, um, where I took some really bad advice coming out of the gate that really cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars in the long run. Um, because I just didn't put that, that one little additional filter, show me the person, show me the papers, Show me, show me. And that's something Steve and Joe can do in a second. They can absolutely show you if you want to know and be suspicious of those who can't and or won't. Now, don't expect somebody to give, turn over their portfolio or whatever. But they, they showed me numbers. They showed me how they track. They showed me these things. And um, I would just put that out there if you're looking, hey, looking for a mentor or a coach or a direction to go in life. Stick around serious, successful people who track, who know what they're doing. And um, if you were ever to take advice from someone who wasn't a legal professional, that might be the person I would do it from. So, Right. Well, I know if I want to be a, I don't know, a mixed martial arts fighter, right? I'm not going to go... Find a winner? Yeah, I'm not going to go train down at, you know, the YMCA. I'm going to go to, like, Stars and Strikes or MASH Gym or, like, a, a legit Detroit Jiu-Jitsu, like a legit gym. Yeah. Greg Jackson's in, in New Mexico. I'm going to go somewhere where there's real Shout out to Michigan killers. Top Team. Michigan Top Michigan Team. Michigan Top Team. <laughs> <laughs> I love Detroit Jiu-Jitsu. So, you know, I'm going to go fight. I want to go train with some killers, right? I want to learn. I want to get my ass kicked by the best of the best of the best. Right. Because, okay, so I, I was the JV guy the whole wrestling career, right? How many guys in my school do you think could take me down outside of the few guys ahead of me? Not no. very fucking many. Right. Yeah, so I may not have been on the top of the food chain. But I certainly wasn't at the bottom either. And I kind of think the same thing with with real estate investing or education or whatever. I want to run with killers. I don't want to run with wannabes or fakes or frauds. I want to run with people that are legit badasses that are doing what I want to do. Yeah. And that goes back to um, there's there's a model. There's a there's an image inside, I would imagine, real estate investor, millionaire real estate investor also. And there's also one a millionaire real estate agent. And it's got this triangle. And it shows a, or a house. And it shows a house built on creativity and a house built on foundation, right? And a house built on creativity is all these crazy jigsaws and it's falling apart. And a house built on a foundation and with a little bit of creativity built in after you've built your systems, models, and processes. And that's, that's what you're talking about is... Um, why would you not go and mimic the people in which are already have things set up, but everyone thinks they know better? Oh, well, I'm going to go create the latest, greatest. And I, it's amazing the things you see in these realtor forums and these investor forums. They're trying to do all these different. It's always the foundation. It's mailing. It's door knocking. It's talking to people. It doesn't matter if you're an investor or if you're a real estate agent. That's what it comes down to. Um, and, and people think they have they think they have it figured out. They're going to go. I remember I was in your uh, your office, and you said there's a guy in there, and you're like, he thinks he knows better than us. You know what I mean? And you guys are turning units, and he's not, and he's no longer doing it, from my understanding, right? And uh, so, I mean, what are you you going to you you know better than the people already doing it, right? Why don't you do their numbers and then improve how you think you should, and then you can put some input. But until you do, I mean, really, why don't you just copy and rinse and repeat rinse and repeat i actually remember almost to the day when i came when i accepted that that truth as fact in my yeah. personal life yeah. i was never too crazy with the creativity stuff but i had that um i like to call it special desert flower air about me 
that I'm this special, unique thing, this unique snowflake. There's only one of me. And I remember it was in 2012. It was, I think I want to say it was November or December. And I real, I know it sounds silly. I realized, I accepted the truth. I always knew it, but I, I dismissed it. I accepted the truth that I'm a primate like everyone else. And that no matter how well I did anything, there was going to be 10 million people who did it better, who can do it better. And that whatever I decide to do going forward, the first thing I need to do was to find that better person and copy them. Sure. And there's no shame in that, folks. There's no shame in that. We can't all be Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. But we don't need to be because yeah. uh, we can just follow a plan. I kept <clears throat> Gary Keller, there's no way I'm going to be Gary Keller. I can read his damn books, though, and I can follow his plan. I can go out and make millions of dollars if I want to, yeah. correct? Yep. Yeah, well, we're, we were looking at uh, revamping our website. The one we have right now is just the general KW one. And it's like, all right, well, what's Mark Spain in Georgia doing? He's going to sell 1,700 houses this year. His website's good enough for me, right? So his website suck? <laughs> no, it's awesome. It's amazing. It's real estate webmasters, and we're rolling out real estate webmasters. There you how, go. How, what was my analysis period? Well, Mark Spain's using it. Uh, Mike Perna's using it. Well, I guess we're going to use it, right? Yeah. Uh, ben Kenny's doing you know, 900,000 units out in Washington. Uh, what contract management software does he use? Oh, he uses Brivity. I guess we'll use Brivity, right? He owns Brivity. I guess we'll use Brivity, right? <laughs> hey, what's Mike Perna using for CRM? Oh, he's using Top Producer. Well, I guess we'll use Top Producer, right? <laughs> you know, that's what it comes down to. I'm not out there trying to, oh, well, you know, it's it, it costs five more dollars, so we're going to use this other really shitty one to save the five dollars yeah. a month. It's like, start with the end in mind. Start with the end in mind. Well, I don't want to shit on Steve Jobs or Bill Gates, or but be honest, I... I'm not Unless you're smart as them, Gates. Then, I'm just not. Yeah. There's no way I am. I'm honest with myself. I am not those two dudes. I am not a genius. Accept it. Move it on. <laughs> Somebody figured it out. But you Somebody's are. You are. You are smart in other things. I'll bet if you ask what a Hooglethorpe or whatever the hell you got in your yard is, they're not going to have any, <laughs> any idea what your culture. <laughs> yeah, there you Google go. Thorpe. I see Jeremy bearing concrete in this like mound. I'm like, what the hell is that? Oh, those are heat sinks for the summer. Well, extends the growing season. I'm like, experimental. Oh, experimental. Yeah, He's we'll got experimental see. farming techniques going on <laughs> in his yard. So you know, this it's everyone has their everyone has their as their sandbox. You know what I mean so um, my point being is that um, I'm not everything I'm not I don't want to if you are Steve Jobs or Bill Gates I want you to dismiss this but what I want you to do is be honest with what kind of person you are and if you need help with that go take an IQ test go take uh, what was the test you were talking about earlier the DISC the DISC D-I-S-C yeah Tony Robbins disc test. It's a personality test, and read it, and that's who you are. So why don't you leverage everything else that you're bad at? Yes, yeah. I got one too. One too. Uh, it? It's called the Colby Index. Colby A Index. So K O L B E. Colby and then the letter A. And what's that? Uh, <clears throat> so basically, what that does is it tells you. It doesn't tell you what type of person you are. It tells you how you attack problems or how you solve problems. Um, or how you handle situations. So it'll ask you a bunch of questions and how would you handle this, and then it gives you four different categories of what type of person you are. Like a quick start would be like sales salesman type. Um, a follow through would be more like an admin type. So you use it for determining, you know, uh, which person you're going to hire, kind of thing. So. And what are you? I am a little quick start and a little follow through. I'm I'm kind of like I don't remember what my score was, but I was like eight, seven, six, wonder, six, whatever. Do you think you're naturally an extrovert or an introvert? Um, introvert probably. 
Jeremy's wife told him he's an introvert. I have a hard time believing that, but you know what? Who knows me better than the woman who's been living with me for 13 it's years? True. I don't know. I'm as extrovert as it gets. Pretty much. I think I am, too. I don't know. I, I tend to listen to my wife. When <clears> it'd be, it'd like be weird that. to... I, I'm not disagreeing with her, but it's probably odd for introverts to lead entire... Well, maybe not, though, because, I don't know, you're leading an RDI for how many years? And, uh, well, or you're leading RDI. Lead is a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> I, I show up and corral cats sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes I don't, you know? Yeah, but the bottom line is you kept it together for I did, a, yes. a, a, a X number of years. And um, usually an, an introvert is too scared to do something. Maybe not too scared, but they, they go about it in a more structured manner than maybe you did. An extrovert's going to be more, uh, you know, kind of just... If that's the case, I'm definitely an extrovert because I can't say I had a structure that great of a plan. Or, mm-hmm. I have a better plan now than I ever had, and this has been going since, I think, the end of 2007, beginning yeah. of 2008. So here we are, seven, eight years later, doing it. But I like it. I loved RDI because it it kept out the bullshitters, you know. And it's, yeah. it was you showed up in how many times? So we we're my big push was to bring new people and keep them right. And yeah, for that lasted for about four months. That and, doesn't work. <laughs> You're but, not keeping new people. Yeah. We tried. Though. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and uh, you know, ultimately you showed up versus going to some of these other things and it's people just looking to get into it. You show up at that meeting. and It's like you're sitting around a bunch of people doing it. So it's like it's not. Hey, have you got started yet? It's like what's your latest. X number of projects. You know. What are you working on now? Yeah, what are you working on What now? do you want to do? Yeah. Hey, what do you got going on? Yeah. Speaking of which, if that's something that appeals to you, that's what I do. Come out. Go to renegadedetroit.com. Go to meetup.com forward slash renegadedetroitinvestors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. If you come out to RDI, I, will, I do my best and I think I'm relatively successful. I will remember you. And I remember what you told me, and there's other people there like Joe and Stephen. They will, and we will ask you. One of the reasons why I hang around these guys is it's an accountability group. You know, you don't want to let people down, and or you don't want to be you don't want to be a loser. You know what I'm saying? You want to do things. So that sounds like it's something for you. It's free. Come out, listen to the podcast too. But come out, check it out. If you're in Metro Detroit. Why would you not? There. I why don't would know you why. not? It's free now, people. Well, who cares if it wasn't free? Why would you not? You, you, you know. wouldn't believe the grief I got over $25 paying for everybody's food. That's why I decided to nix it. We never made any money off of it. My wife's got all this admin. We're tracking all these things. Yeah. And it just made, we're just basically transferring money from one person to another. And then until this or last year, coming out of pocket too. So I was yeah. like, you know what? That's enough, enough of that, of that. shit. Yeah, yeah. That is enough of that. <clears throat> Keep your money. I don't need it. Buy food if you want it. But now it is free. And um, what is it? Maybe I don't like that it's free because I don't want a bunch of people that aren't willing to pay $25 to get in the door somewhere. You know, it's like, God, that's that's where the, uh, you know, the other meetups for because, you know, sometimes I go in the room. I end up talking to Tommy Desmond for three quarters of the time whenever I'm there because I know he's doing things yeah. and How his things not? are way smarter than what I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, so I end up talking to people. And meanwhile, there's a bunch of, well, I'm thinking about getting into real estate. Oh, yeah. How long have you been thinking about? Two years. Well, what the hell have you been doing? You, everything's just more expensive. That I don't understand. Yeah. I I don't know. It depends on what they're doing. Like I get it. If you have no real estate experience or background, and you're just a, you're drawn to it. Like I remember when I was. All of the investing that I've ever done though has been no money down or none of my money. Right. So for me, it's easy. 
it's a lot easier. But I'm you own property. Into it. I own property, but it's leveraged or it's private money. But you put money into it, right? Well, I mean, sure, yeah. of course. But the point is, someone being, you know, the, their nest egg, 50 grand, 100 grand, whatever, and they want to go do a flip and make 2,500 bucks, right? Yeah. The first time someone's going to do that. But you still made money. They may not, though. You know, well, they, they they, they, grand, okay, instead grand you give Donald Trump University forty thousand dollars. I guess who did that? Yeah. And you know, that, that's a that's a really or, bad uh, that's a really bad flip to lose forty thousand dollars. Yeah. But I would have been a lot further ahead than just you know lighting it on fire with that garbage. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's yeah. Yeah, uh, I did that, Robert Allen. Yeah, poof, forty grand Trump, poof. So. I never um, dropped that much at once. You know how much I, money I, I could make right now if I decided to drop forty grand worth of mailers as an agent? Oh, oh my god! I'd I'd, I'd be your phone would melt. Yeah, my phone. You know how much yeah. I can make as yeah. a wholesaler? We're investing one hundred and twenty grand into mailers this upcoming year, and uh, so a that third of that could have been uh, um, third of that coming back. You know, and we should make. I think we're making my my statistics have us making seven times my investment. So. Do the math on that, yeah, right? That's so, pretty good. Is it wholesale? What's your Steve? Mine's ten to twelve. Ten to times. twelve. Yeah. yeah. So whatever you spend in marketing, you get back ten to twelve times, times yeah. what you put into it. Okay. Yeah, I guess I might need to wholesale then. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> hey, your board's a lot fuller. Yeah, you're going towards forty million uh, gross sales. We'll do seventy next year. There's no question. I got That'd I got three awesome. closings tomorrow, and outside of that, I'm not sure. I think we got two more, and then. I'm out of deals. I need some more. It's always interesting. <laughs> well, what do you, where, where do you see yourself in ten years? No, that's way too far. We gotta, we gotta Five bring years? that in. Yeah, we gotta bring ten right, years. Where do you Think see about yourself? ten years of this. The last ten years I've had is like four different bad, industries, right? four different <laughs> industries. You know, four different businesses. Uh-oh. I've been in this ten years. Shit, that's that's disappointing. Uh, where do you be in? Five years. How about five years? Five years, I don't see any reason we're not running a 150 to $200 million uh, investment business, real estate. Um, not investment business, but a realtor business. Um, bold statement, sir. Uh, it's, if, if you're tracking numbers, it's not that bold. It's more of a reality. If you don't hit it, where did you go wrong? Um, I like that so, attitude. You know, it's, if you don't uh, hit it, where did you go wrong? And yeah. honestly, it's... Um, it's not a question if, it's in five years we will be. Uh, I don't see, was, again, uh, we have the the people around me are smart enough in which to do things at that level. So I, there's no bottleneck. We don't have a bottleneck. It's The only bottleneck is me. So And I feel as though I can make it happen. Um, there's everyone else around me, I know they can handle it. So really a, the question you're asking me is, do you think you're good enough to do $150, $200 million? And I think I am. Um, so I think we'll be doing that, and I'd love to have uh, you know X number of properties, whatever number that is. And uh, I'm not big on leverage; I don't leverage much at all. The only thing we have levered in our entire lives is our personal house and one of our investment properties, and we carry no other debt at all. Um, so that's that's where I see us. I mean, there's no reason we're not a 30, 30, 35 person business. So, mm. what about you, Steve? Where do you see yourself five years from today? Five years, I expect to be doing at least three to five million probably a year in wholesaling, investing. And that's profit. So Joe's talking about sales. Sales. I'm talking profits. So I don't even know what that would translate our sales to. You want to be netting three to five million? Yeah, we're going to, well, gross. Our, our, our profit 
in terms of the cash that comes into my company, I expect to be three, three and a half million in five years. Right. If it's any less than that, I'll be extremely disappointed because I think I can get to the yeah. first million next year. Yeah, ours will be around. If you do the math on that, it'll probably be what's two hundred million. That's like three percent. Yeah. We all just, yeah, just, just so we're all talking on the same page, right? In the podcast, yeah. 300 yeah. times 0. .03. So you're talking about $9 million. There you go. Yeah. Chunk of change. Yeah. And what do you think your overhead? So what, what do you think? Uh, have you have you modeled out to what your net profit on something like that would be? Yeah, actually, it's one of the things that I've been trying to work on is cleaning that up. My... Do you have someone to model it off of, or is this what you're internally? Yeah, determining? a little bit. I do have some models external that I can. What does invest, real estate investors say? Millionaire real estate investors. I haven't know? read that yet. Oh, no, okay. I, it's they, actually, they might have already figured out your model. It's not wholesale. It's very little wholesale. There's a lot okay. of flipping. There's a lot of landlording yeah. in there. But I don't think Gary Keller. Why would he? He was a real estate yeah. agent. There's why would you wholesale if you're? I mean. I can think of some reasons why, but I can think of some really good reasons why you wouldn't too. What's funny to me is a different direction. Like wholesaling okay. is always looked at as a beginner strategy, right? And I wonder why. You know, because it's easy in theory. There's a lot more flippers than wholesalers that I know. Well, the fact is, wholesaling is hard. It's a constant hustle. It's a grind. You you have to continually have inventory to sell. Once you sell those properties, you're done. I mean, when you're doing flips, you 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 are all of your energy is focused on that flip. I mean, unless you're a pretty big time flipper and you're doing three to five flips at a time or eight right. flips at a time. But you know, there's a handful of guys in this market that are doing that. I mean, I know of like two, three in this market. I know a guy in Chicago that's doing that kind of stuff. But in terms of, I mean, it's always kind of been looked at as a as a as a new strategy. Um, but in, in my opinion, it's one of the most difficult and advanced strategies because as a wholesaler, I need to look at every possible solution for that seller, right, for that homeowner. Whether it's a short sale, whether it's a quick cash, is it seller financing, is there a mortgage, can I do a subject to or a lease option? Their problem is they need to sell their house. My job as a wholesaler is to find the best way to sell their house and make money in the meantime. Um, I'm thinking about it more, and the more I think about it, the more difficult it's getting. You're essentially running a agent business in which you only are taking listings that you can double end. Yes, kind of. Yeah, yeah, kind <laughs> That's of. insanity. Yeah, kind That's of. That's insanity. So I think we've double ended zero so far this year. But I'm also I'm not making three percent of the sales yeah. price. I'm making ten to twenty. Well, no, you'd be making six if you double ended. But yeah, well, fair true. Enough. That's fair true. Enough. That's true. So. But I'll make. Three to five grand on a twenty thousand dollar house. Well, I'm just saying it's difficult, and I'm sure you make more money because yeah. the difficulty is higher. But yeah. yeah, you're running a listing based business in which you only can double end. And I know you lever other wholesalers a little bit, but still, for the vast majority of it, mm-hmm. I'm guessing you you've, you're putting the buyer with the seller. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And, and I, I use the MLS from time to time. If we can't find a buyer relatively quickly, we put it on the MLS and sell it that way. That's been a new strategy that's been controversial, working, but perhaps. Does work. I know a lot of people around the country that do it. In Michigan, my biggest thing is that they're, in fact, this Alan is Daniels would not approve, Steve. <laughs> well, um, there's <laughs> something that you said, Joe, that you say this all the time about real estate agents that the bar is so low that if you, I mean, what you have to strive for to excel in that business is sure. it's, it's so low. Yeah. So, unfortunately, the houses that I do put on the MLS. Inevitably, I end, I have to deal with the people that can't reach that bar. 
So all those people that are just the bottom of the barrel agents that don't really know what they're doing. And when you try to explain what we're doing, which is already complicated and different from what they're used to, it's like heads explode. Well, why are you explaining it? So that we can That's the title the companies. No. 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 There's a lot See, lost in translation because we... Well, we don't... I don't know. Well, there's two things. First of all, title company... And, okay. My my mindset in, in deals are, if I don't explain it to them and they don't get it, they're not buying the house, right? They're going to walk away and go buy something else. They don't understand it. It's too weird. It's outside the box. You get a lot of that with wholesaling and real estate investing in general. Everything I do is essentially pretty creative. There's not just a straight A to B. I mean, there's some creative aspect to it. Sounds like a lot of work. It is. (laughs) It is, but the profits and the rewards are are really good, too. So, Joe does not approve of the model, I feel like. I don't know, man. I just, I just know what we're doing. Well, that, how would you crazy do very quickly. Well, I can't, I can't talk. I can't talk on this stuff. It sounds hour. like you guys. It sounds like you guys. If you already know you're making, um, I don't know. Fuck to, me. Maybe I have terrible ideas. Yeah. Ten, ten to time, ten to twelve times more. Really, is why aren't you mailing a boatload more? And the answer is probably you don't have the infrastructure to support the leads coming through. So you need to get the infrastructure in place because it sounds like you already got the rest figured out. Um, so I think your one thing needs to be establishing the infrastructure. Because why would you not? The one thing by yeah. Gary Keller yeah. um, is is uh, is going that way. Because if you're making three to five grand a pop, if you sell a hundred houses, there's three hundred, five hundred thousand in profits. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the problem? Well, in gross, right? Gross, right? Yeah. So well, we'll I mean, do we'll do two hundred units. So what's that look like at two hundred units? Yeah. You know. And, you know, so call it call it four grand, right? Two hundred units times four grand, whatever the math is on that. I'm not eight hundred thousand, mm-hmm. right? So well, there's a better. So you just got to set the infrastructure too. up. Yeah, well, it's one of the things that I'm focusing on in in my business is that cleaning up that infrastructure, fixing some of the the, the places that I see need improvement, um, recreating my team. I've had a team in the past. Um, I kind of dismantled a little bit of it because um, it was not functioning the way that I wanted it to. And so by uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's something I'm really focused on over the last probably month is really dialing in exactly what I want to do for not just the last quarter, but all of next year too. So that this year, I mean, I, flat out, I'm not hitting my goals. I'm probably not even close to the goals I set back in January. So now it's time I'm refocusing and kind of looking at that. And when putting when you're setting it up, place. set it up as if you get hit by a bus tomorrow. So how does this yeah. thing function? If you, um, yeah. So that way you're not bottlenecking on you. I, uh, for we, sure, because that's one of the biggest bottlenecks that I've had. If we get hit by time, a bus tomorrow, one of my buyer's agents becomes a listing agent and the show goes on. <laughs> yeah. You know, the show goes on. And like, Renee has to be more vision than upside, you know, which she can do plenty five, probably better. Um, so, you know, that's, that would be my, cause our businesses are very similar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't, don't let it bottleneck on you and, uh, don't let the process, everything you do begin with the end of mind, let it be scalable. Mm-hmm. So especially if you're reworking it right now, you know, go with that. Um, if it doesn't work at 200 transactions, don't institute it at whatever you're doing right now. Right. So. Well, that's good advice. If it doesn't work at 200, don't do it. Well, you and I were talking the other yeah. night, too. You said you don't have any CRM to constantly drip people going forward, right? No. I thought that was you. Was no, that someone have, else? Zoho. Okay. Yeah. All right. Then it must be. I'm confusing yeah. myself. Someone else told me they're just essentially it's today leads, whatever today is. And I'm like, what about everything else that incubates? Uh, yeah. No, I don't, I don't follow up. There's a lot of things I don't do as well as I should, and that that's for reasons that are really mostly unrelated to most people. 
Um, it's down to me. But well, why don't you, why don't you time block for one hour every day to follow that's up? That's what I... I mean, wake I'm, up and follow up and be done. Yeah. Why do you think I was asking? I, I, I did yeah. that post. I could use a lot of help. Time block. Honestly, I'm at this point, I'm so fucked. I mean, I'm holding on. I'm doing well. But I could really use some help time blocking my day. Well, you're not fucked, though, because you're... You'd I feel be, fucked, you know. If you, I'm in a funk, man. Pull yourself pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You'll be just fine. Stop whining, Jeremy. And, yeah, stop whining, Jeremy. <laughs> How hard is it to fix it? Okay, from 9 to 10, I'm going to follow up. From 10 to 11, I'm going to run the dogs. You already time blocked the dogs first thing in the morning. You don't have a choice. So, a couple times yeah, you don't have a choice. So why don't you have to follow up right after that? That's true. Why is it any different? It's not. It's not any different. It's not so any different. So follow up right after it, and, and then chase things. new business right after that. Don't turn your phone on. So it's not. You're not. You're not. You just. Uh, you're not fucked at all. You, the the part of, you already have the leads coming in. So now your job is you need to just do a better job with them, and so just keep running with that. I mean, it's not that difficult. Literally set aside. If I don't call these people back from nine to ten in the morning, my life is over. So that's a just good segue. It. What? So, do you have a list of things that if you don't do every single day, your life is over? What does that look like? Uh, I don't, and I'm. I probably don't follow as my advice as I have lately. But in the past, I haven't followed followed it as well. But yeah, from I I, my big human. thing today, my big thing in for the past two weeks has been morphing my schedule into doing lead nurturing. Um, our guys are doing a lot of lead uh, lead. You know, lead producing essentially, dialing out and doing good news calls, um, and then from there, my job is constant follow up with that. Call, we have enough closings to where I'm doing post close closings, and the conversation is, "How did Tom do for you? How was he as your buyer's agent? Great, you love Tom. Great. Do you mind putting reviewing us on Julian Zillow? Oh, you don't. Thanks. If you remember back to our, or I should morph that. If you remember back the to our ass. initial conversation again, you know, you said if we got you the best possible price in the shortest amount of time, your process sounds like it was very smooth. So if you could put that in words and put it on Trillion Zillow, we really appreciate it. And then the average person knows or knows five to seven people every year buying or selling. So um, we really are counting on you. That's how our business grows. We're ninety percent referrals. If you can go ahead and, and refer someone in a short amount of time, I'd really appreciate it. Great, thanks. Do you need a referral on anything yourself for your job or for your house? Ooh, I like it. So you ask right then and there, too, what can I do for you? The conversation is always, how's the house coming along? Do you need anything for me? Do you know how many referrals I pass out? My roofer called me the other day and told me he loved me. It was a little lit. He called me. He's like, I love you. You've made me so much money this year. You know? And it's like, yeah. The, Friend for life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My electrician has gotten his name passed out in the last two weeks, three weeks that I've been doing these uh, post-close calls. I mean, the guy has to – I got to find a way to bring all these people underneath me so I can actually make money off it because I'm giving you know out what? a lot of money You're right now. You're inspiring me. post Close calls. All right, give me the script one more time. Run right down. Look, the script is, hey, how was the first The first point is, how was it working with Tom? Do you have any feedback for me? And 99.99% of the time, the feedback is, Tom was phenomenal, or John was phenomenal, or John was phenomenal, or Sandy was phenomenal, or Tafar was phenomenal, right? So all these people were phenomenal, right? Okay, it sounds like you had a smooth process then, right? So I'm, I'm leading them into, yes, it sounds like he had a smooth process, great. Well, if you remember, we talked about our three goals, and if we execute on best possible price in the shortest amount of time, smoothest possible process, which sounds like you've got both of those, that the third goal was that you would refer us and review us online, um, you know, would you be willing to do that still? And the answer is, 
almost always yes, right? Mm-hmm. Great. Also, you know, if you can review us, we're going to send you the links. Um, and then if you have a review, if you have a referral back for us, that would be phenomenal. We'd appreciate it. On that note, do you know anything? Do you need anything? Do you need anything from us? Did we leave anything open-ended for you that we still owe you? And the other day, he's like, yeah, um, Bob said he was going to give us uh, a contact for someone to tree, trim the bushes. Okay, you haven't heard from anyone? No. First thing I did after that call is find someone to trim the bushes that got done the next day. Okay, Damn. so he's like, yeah, and I was waiting on the review to see if you were going to follow through on that or not. Wow. Boom. The review came in a minute after those bushes got done, all five stars, right? And here's a stat from Mega. Gary Keller said that um, people trust strangers' reviews online over friends' referrals. Yeah, you were talking about this on yeah. Saturday. Let's talk about it again because this yeah. blew me away. Yeah. I never would have thought this would be true. Yeah. So lead ahead. with helping other people, right? And if you lead with helping other people and the foundation to your business is customer service, and that's what the foundation of our business is. That's why I call and make sure everything went well because I care about customer service more than I care about anything else, more in production numbers because one pissed off person trashes my perfect, and it's perfect, reputation online. Um, so, yeah, if the more reviews, and we're starting to get come list me. Hey, Joe, we read about you online. We read about your team. Everybody loves you. Um, that's exactly what we're looking for, and uh, we want you to come list our house. So come list me is people who've read all your reviews on Zillow right. and Trulia, right. the, and they're just like, dude, you're it. Come and get it. Right. Hey, I see you do a ton of business in Rochester, Rochester Hills. I want you to come list my house. So they're sold already. Right. So just come list me. me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your job is to not go in there and screw it up by putting your foot in your mouth. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So in, in, in all honesty, why would they not call us? I, I can't give you an answer. There's no one better to service their, their listing than us. No one works harder. No one invests into it. I mean, find anything negative. You can't. You can't. The Delia Group. And that's not, it, it could be a brag. It can be a humble brag. I don't care. But you, you cannot find anyone online. And no one cares. And when we screw up, I literally turn to Renee and I say, what can we do to make sure, even if it's the smallest thing in the world, what can we do to make sure this is crystal clear in the future that there's never a miscommunication like this again? Mm. And literally it gets instituted. We had something where an inspector uh, got all kinds of attic insulation all over the closet. We have nothing to do with that. That is nothing. There's nothing we can do about it. What we can do is set a better expectation going in. Hey, the inspector might be climbing around in your attic. If it's in a closet, just be aware of that because stuff can come down, right? right? And, and think in the future. And that literally is now a part of our inspection email. Hey, the inspection's been scheduled for this time. You know, some FYIs to be aware of. So we learn from each situation and, and, and Yo, institute it. You're so. a put together motherfucker, man. It's it's just getting started. It's just getting more. started. <laughs> it's just getting started. That's that's why I don't think any reason that 200 million, 300 million, 400 million, whatever that number is, isn't possible. And when it, when when the great state of Michigan is done yielding what it owes us, then then we go to a different state. So. Are we talking about like duck tails? Like you're going to have a room of gold you can jump into and swim? Around? I don't care about the money's a byproduct of everything money's else. Money's a byproduct. So the money's the money a byproduct. Bad, yeah, but the money's a byproduct. So if you lead with doing the right thing every day, the money will show up. So if you lead with trying to get the money, you're you're going to make the wrong decisions. We Absolutely. screwed up something. I forgot what it was. Oh, long story short, communication happened. Frankly, it wasn't my fault. It was the seller's fault. However, I could have done a better job of conveying it again to her, right, that you can't take the cabinets out of the garage that are attached to the wall and take them the day of closing. You can't just run off with the cabinets. It doesn't work like that. Wow. Long story short is I bought the new buyer cabinets. Yeah. You know, and did I want to do that? Absolutely not. Was it my fault? Absolutely not. 
However, in order to get the deal to go, you did it. So you can't lead with other people be like $800, $800, and they'd be losing their mind. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, you just lead, lead with doing the right thing. And even though that and in customer service and the rest will fall. So that's the foundation in the long run. I mean, you know, if you, if you continually look for the shortcut and the easy way out, you're going to either be out of business really quickly or, just never get to where you, you know yeah. where you want to be. Well, well, but if you're focused on the result and you know that experience for your customer and making sure that that's the number one thing that happens, the income, I agree with that. That will come. If you the income the comes. Client, the income will don't, come. I don't care if you're 50,000 or 500,000. You're another review. So, whatever the money comes in is the money that comes in. The reviews the same, right? And the the referral, the person that person might know the, the, the old brokerage I was with, he talks about his Aunt Betty that he never met. Aunt Betty made them over a million in sales one year because they just sent out updates to Aunt Betty. Oh, your Aunt Betty told me about you, right? And it's just it's just about treating people right. Aunt Betty didn't even exist. <laughs> so, you know, it's just... Uh, We're all it's Aunt just, Betty, right? My, my aunt, my aunt and uncle got divorced, okay? My uncle's on our side of the family, so she's like my ex-aunt. She's given us $2.5 million in business in the last 12 months. Right, I had to barely even talk to her, but talking about it online mm-hmm. and seeing that we did a good job, she's referred us to all her friends. We sold one for four hundred thousand, got one online for three something, sold hers for two eighty two five hundred, found the buyer on it, sold her condo for a hundred and change, you know, and sold her mom's condo in twenty four hours for seventy thousand. So you know, you add up all these numbers, and if you just treat people right, the money shows up. That's yeah. like uh, wrestling or jujitsu. You just climbed all over them. You didn't let them go. Just they're your mind. It's all over. These things getting done. Right, get done my way. Go to sleep. Boom, done. Well, in, in more so, and I would, I would, I would take the the um, correlation differently. I'll take the correlation in the sense that um, on Saturday when you show up at a meet, if you sucked all week, guess what? You're getting you're getting dumped on. It only takes two weeks of not doing the right thing, and you've lost your wind. Yep. So if you're not doing the right thing every single day. You're not performing on Saturday, and it's no different in this business. If you're not lead genning, you said you've had a slow month, right? If you haven't been doing the right things, guess what? That's going to hit you a month from now, two months from now. So um, it just—it's only a one-hour day. I literally had this conversation this morning with one of our buyers agents. Like, why don't you just schedule out one-hour day to follow up on your leads? I'm asking for five hours a week. Is that too much to ask? No, No, it's it's not. not. (laughs) It's not too much to ask. You know, why would I want more? Why would I want more business? You know, what's more business lead to? More reviews, which leads to what? More clients. And what ends up happening with all that? More money ends up spitting out the back end. So money's just real talk. Yeah, money's money's a byproduct. Money's a byproduct, and it's irrelevant. Once and and they actually say, and this is kind of relevant to you, Jeremy. Studies say that over fifty thousand dollars, you are not any more happy. So it doesn't matter if you're making fifty or five hundred thousand. Your happiness is not derived from the money you make. Under fifty, especially in the state of Michigan, because cost of living is so low. Under fifty thousand, money has a big impact because you literally can't pay your bills. Right, under fifty thousand, you're you're struggling. Right, over fifty thousand, the happiness does not come from how much money you're making. It comes from other things that are going right or wrong in your life that you're letting get out of control. So it really doesn't. Whether I was driving the Escape or the brand new, um, you know brand new Yukon we've just bought, 
my Which is happiness beautiful by the but, way but my happiness is irrelevant regardless is if it a little more convenient do i get stuck less in you know <laughs> right. versus driving the civic do i get stuck less in, i guess that makes me a little happier not getting yeah. stuck in the snow right, right. um but it, your happiness is not being derived from that um your happiness is derived from things you're doing right your relationships and everything else no i think it's beautiful so, I mean, it is a gorgeous car. It is but, gorgeous. But I, I am not any more happier. I don't wake up any happier because we have a, a 2015 Yukon. You know what I mean? That, it is irrelevant. Or if it was a Corvette or if it was a Porsche. It makes no difference to me. So, well, yeah, I drive a piece of shit Saturn, but still, it's a beautiful car. We were driving a Civic before. It yeah. really doesn't, it doesn't matter. Your happiness isn't derived because you, you're in a, a 2000 Honda or a Civic or yeah. you know, whatever. That's true. So. I don't know. I still think it's beautiful. I get it. It is beautiful. I love it. (laughs) You want me to rehash this? You want me to sink it a little deeper for you? No, no, no. It's one of the few things that makes me proud to be born arbitrarily where I was born. Come on, what's better than an American-made, enormous, beautiful car? Well, most of the cars that are built in Mexico now, so you're you're, you're getting a bunch of pieces from now. Hey, that's North America. We'll take them, too. Hey, ours was, uh, that Yukon was constructed. 80% of it was in Texas, so. Mexico is America, you know. We conquered Mexico City. Trump disagrees. It still says America in the name, right? It still says America right there. North America. It's part of it. Central America. Steve. Yes, sir. Do you remember your first deal? Oh, absolutely. All right, man. Well, you know we got to do it. What was your first deal? Well, I I got into it a little bit already. That was a short sale. That's right. That I just kind of door knocked. But let me get into my first deal because I don't really know if that was my first deal. That was my first exposure to. That was the first time I made money from a real estate. That was your first bird dog. You that was my first bird, bird dog. So my you first took a lead, a warm deal. lead to another investor, and you got a percentage for closing it. Right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> my first deal was another short sale, of course. This was, gosh, two thousand seven, I guess technically, because I did a few bird dog deals like that. And this was a house in Lapeer, and I put it under contract for a short sale, and we negotiated the short sale. And I got the I got the house under contract. I don't remember what it was now, eighty nine grand or something like that. I ended up flipping it for over a hundred. But the best part of the story, the the profit from the deal was like thirty two grand. But the best part of the deal was the house that I live in now was the the buyers that I flipped that house to. It was their house, and it was too big, wow. too much for them to handle. So I was going to do a short sale on their house. So I moved into their house. I sold them another house, made thirty grand um, for my partner and I, and then moved into this house. We lived there for a year for free while we negotiated the short sale, and then got the short sale. We got roughly a fifty percent deal on the house versus what that's a good deal they owed for. It. Yeah, I'll take it. And then a couple of years later, those same buyers that we sold the house to needed to sell their house again and do another short sale. So I short sold it again. So I short sold the same house twice and made a profit of probably 50 grand off. They did oh. not learn the important lessons in life that needed to learn. But still, a good follow-up and turning it around. What about you, Joe? Do you remember your first deal? <sighs> yes. First deal was uh, first deal was a place in Vegas on Cummings Court. Don't ask the digits. Just... I always refer to it by the street name. And uh, Cummings Court, and had no idea what I was doing, dealt with a dirtbag realtor um, that took a $1,700 transaction fee because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, bought it for 43 put 20 something into it, sold it for roughly 100 
few years later after renting it, um, that house had previously sold for uh, 240000 at the peak. Wow. So I was like, we're going to hold this sucker. And then I found other things I wanted to do. But we're going to hold this sucker till it's back to 200000 Today, it's probably $1.50. Um, that was the first deal we ever did. And we rented it out. It was... Uh, that's so funny. So you hear about, I was laughing about the people after two years of sitting around. You know, we just ran into this sucker with our hair on fire. No idea what we were doing. Didn't have the slightest clue, but we thought we did. You know, oh, yeah. it's like, we knew everything. We knew everything. Like, oh, all these other people out here, they don't know, like the, the, the slight delusional arrogance. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't have a clue what they're doing. We know better. We've read online and this book says, you know, and uh, yeah, we ran straight into it. Um, as deep as you could get. It didn't. We had a will to a will to do it, and we didn't let anything stop us, even if we didn't know what we were doing. We ended up making money. I've never lost money on a house. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that one was. Uh, yeah, we paid a guy. It was like we paid a contractor like twenty thousand dollars for about eight grand worth of work. We had no idea. Yeah. yeah, he loved us. He I wanted us to keep times. buying houses. You know, <laughs> this guy. Yeah, he's like, oh like yeah, yeah. He treated us so well for some reason. You know, it's like incredible. And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, we had no idea what we were doing. We still made money. And uh, now we were buying into an appreciating market. Uh, we bought at the bottom, uh, but it. Uh, yeah, that was our first deal. Well, no such thing as luck, right? Luck is where preparation, opportunity meet. That was that was pretty lucky. That was pretty lucky. Regardless of your plan, we executed on it. Now we were making money in the the previous business we were in, and we had money to uh, go out there and not burn, but uh, figure it out. You know, what I mean? and, uh, you know, we could we could afford the loss if we ended up taking a whole loss on it. And uh, so you weren't going to end up homeless on the streets if you didn't make it. No, and you shouldn't be real estate investing if you are going to end up homeless on the streets until you do make it. Live live a lifestyle. Josh Sterling just talked about it, and I loved it. I said that was my takeaway when I posted it. Oh, that's right. I interrupted group. you. Sorry, yeah. I finished that. Yeah, no, Josh just, Sterling. Yeah, just the, the takeaway. He, he was making $30,000 a year, and Josh Sterling owns 100-some units now, 150 or something. He was making 30-some thousand dollars a year, and they were living below their means. How the hell do you live below your means in $30,000 a year? right? Man. Dude, yeah. it, it, you know? I lived... On less than eight thousand dollars a year for almost three years. That's absurd. I don't know how that's possible. Well, I mean, it fucks your life in ways that you'll never understand, and you shouldn't. But <laughs> all right, I, that's a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. So we'll stick with the thirty thousand. Thirty. Josh yeah. Sterling actually yeah. is a huge success story. Yeah, so. and, yeah. and he's living less than thirty thousand dollars a year, and and you know, he, he that's how he saved up to buy start buying places, and he's putting on no interest credit cards, which is absolute. Ask nine again, more balls than brains, right? And uh, yeah, but it what? worked. It worked for me. I know a ton of people that have started out as real estate investors that way, buying houses on credit cards. We did, yeah. my wife and I. Yeah, yeah, back when you can get a zero percent interest credit card before the crash, that was that's actually one of the things that are real common. We didn't we didn't buy any fancy shit, but man, we just rolled the money forward, rolled the money forward. It was amazing. It was the cheapest money I ever had, and they that was back when they just send you a check. You sign up for a card. They would actually send you mail. I'm like, wouldn't you much rather have this as cash in your I account? wonder why the economy crashed. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> wonder. I don't wonder at all. God, you know. Yeah. And now the pendulum swung to where you have to give a blood sample in your firstborn in order to get a mortgage, you know. The first two. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. The first two are ours. It's incredible. Work for 10 years. We sit there. I always joke with our, uh, well, I was joking when I was working with buyers. I'd sit there and be like, and next is for the blood sample, you know. <laughs> God. After their hundredth page of signing, you know, unbelievable. We don't like you because of your alleles. Yeah. What we're heading towards the end here, but cool. there's a couple of things I did want to. What software 
and or apps and or other productivity tracking business. If somebody's listening, um, I know we talked about some CRM, we talked about some automatic follow-ups, things like that. What do you have? What are you, what are you using in your business software app-wise that you would recommend for others? Uh, we've got Top Producer right now that's subject to potential change. Um, top Producer is one of the top producing uh, CRMs out there for realtors. Uh, KW just acquired team leads and they're integrating um, Vulcan 7, which is a dialing program. Um, and it might be a little more what we're looking to do, so that could be transitioning over to team leads. But both are good, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. ultimately get one. I mean, so do something. Yeah, do something. Um, so, top producer, we're using, we're just instituting Brivity as a contract to close management system. Um, so, Brivity is really not that expensive. You really should be doing, even if you're closing. I don't know, 15 deals a year, you know, why not? Why wouldn't you? Um, and uh, so we've got that. We've got Privity. We're using Mojo as a dialing platform right now as an auto dialer um, or power dialer, not an auto dialer, but a power dialer. Um, if you don't know what that is, just go to MojoSales.com. It's triple line dialer. They punch in and, and it's good news calls. Um, good news calls, not and, cold calls. And uh, what else are we using? Um, Obviously, real comp too, right? That just comes there. Yeah, that's, that's that's the so MLS. Yeah, real comp, MI my real source, KWLS, um, and KW has a, an app, a house search app, um, and, uh, and yeah, we just use Outlook as far as a mail platform, okay. uh, Google Calendar or Apple Calendar. I mean, it's interchangeable, like everyone uses. So, um, and then we do use Google Drive also. So we store folders in our documents for each transaction, so we can go back and reference them or. When you have enough deals going on, when your sellers call and ask you a question, it's like, I really don't know, but hang on. You go into the PA and you can answer it. You know what I mean? yeah. so, rather guys, than doing an email search trying to find it out. Are you guys paperless? Yeah, we're completely, completely paperless. paperless. Oh, yeah. yeah. We use e-signature service called Dotloop. That's changing. Did you see uh, Zillow bought Dotloop? Mm-hmm. So Gary Keller wasn't exactly ecstatic about that. He's like, no. He goes, uh, he goes yeah, and you know, sometimes you have a business arrangement, so make sure you don't get Dotlooped when you do. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, my God. It became so, a verb. Yeah, it right? did become yeah. a verb. Yeah, he he's not, not happy about that. Don't. So, it sucks anyways. I hate Dotloop. But... Um, so DocuSign, ideally, if you're if you're out there running around DocuSign, it's a no-brainer. Unless you're like in Keller Williamson, you have to use Dotloop for other reasons. Mm. So, what about you, Steve? Apps, software, man, I use a ton. I know you do. That's why I ask. I use a ton of them. Um, Lay it down for the people at home. See, I don't really use apps. top three. Oh man, I'm con- I have top, so top many three. Apps. You got time? I use Clash of Clans. That's true. <laughs> Britain Beach. We were talking about that before we walked in. Wait a, a second. Beach. Yeah. yeah. How many deals is that going to get you? <laughs> Zero. Yeah, one thing. Although, I don't know. Maybe you could... Scalps on the belt? Yeah, right. So I know you mean business? <laughs> so, apps. Um, it was a joke, people. <clears throat> probably the first... The, the the number one app that I use is Zoho CRM. Uh, it is a paid CRM. Uh, it costs me just about 200 bucks a month, but I have a lot of users. Uh, Which is nothing. 10 users, and that's nothing a month. I mean, it's 1% of what we would probably bring in. But... Um, so Zoho CRM, and, and it's, it, actually what I would recommend is probably a CRM called Godfather. Godfather CRM is basically what mine is, although it's not the same label. <clears throat> um, and then secondly, I would say Dropbox. I'd say Dropbox is probably um, second most important utility that we use. All of our property photos get stored in there, all of our contracts and comps and all the paperwork for the file 
gets put into Dropbox. I don't keep paper files. Um, about the only paper that I actually have is a signed purchase agreement um, that gets scanned and then it's shredded. So you've got to have your iPad and just have those people just tap on that sucker. Well, I do done. have, it's something to, to add. I do have, hello um, sign. I use hello sign, that's number three. So it's similar to dot loop and DocuSign, DocuSign and all that. It's just it's whoever makes Hello Facts. I think is who makes it. No, I've never heard yeah. of it. You wouldn't be you'd be surprised how many old people out there actually don't even have email. Addresses. I know. I almost decide not to take them on as clients. Sometimes they're like you're going to be so much more work. <laughs> it's true. I've been there. I, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm, just, I'm joking, but it does run through my head. But I, sure. I never do it. But it's like, oh my god, you're going to be so much more work. Yeah, it's. I mean, if they don't have an email address, it really makes our job a lot harder to yeah. communicate with. Them right. Oh, I need this piece of paper from you. Oh, can you fax it? Yeah, <laughs> Who I guess you I get a lot man. of faxes. Oh my god, when people ask me that, I'm like, no, yeah. you can fax the office. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> um, so shit, I have a lot of apps and utilities that I use. So I said Zoho, I said Dropbox, uh, I used Todoist, Todoist, um, as my kind of to do list app. But I'm not sure how much more I'm going to be using that after the more I get into the one thing. I think that I'm going to get up every day the night before. I'm going to write down the one thing that I'm going to make sure mm. gets done the next day. Yeah, that's good. And if that gets done, then it doesn't matter. I don't have a whole list. Because these 11 things have been on my to-do list for like two weeks. And I keep moving them to the next that's day. One thing talks about that all the time. I hate that. Oh, If they're on your list, why don't you have just someone else do them? Because uh, some of these, I literally, I have to do it. I don't have someone else to do it. What happens if you get hit by a bus? Then who does it? It'll never get done. It's not important, It'll right? just never happen, yeah. But at that point, that would be the least of the, the problems of what I'm trying to solve. Yeah. Uh, for calendar app, I use Sunrise. <clears throat> I really like Sunrise. Oh, God, app. I love Sunrise. Sunrise yeah. is amazing. So it's Sunrise. Yeah, Sunrise.am. Especially uh, if you're like me and you went over to an iPad and it would have Sunrise fit. It fits the bill yeah. if you're from an Android. Go for it. Yep, that's that's when I moved. It's when free, I folks. To iPhone. Yeah, it's free. I use Evernote, of course. I think Evernote's amazing. I'm using um, Evernote right now. There you go. I use uh, I use a, a service called A Weber, which is an email. Um, it's my email service. I use that to send all my email blasts out to my properties, uh, to my list, I should say. So all my email marketing is done through AWeber. And that's subscription-based, too. They double opt-in, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, to join my list, you have to sign up on my website, and then you have to confirm by clicking your email. Um, If you don't confirm, then you never get get the email uh, listings. So, yeah. All right. Well, I hate to do it, but I think we're going to have to wrap it up. It's a good... It's a good first one. It's not bad. It's already a couple hours in. So, But before I go, let's just wrap it up with this. If you had to or you could start your career all over again, what would you do differently? Joe? I would have joined a team probably right off the bat. Um, what do you mean by joining a team? I would have, instead of, like, I could have made six figures by joining or, or $70,000 my first year instead of making twenty. By joining on, uh, you know, some local real estate team and, and learning from someone, and then going off and doing my own thing. Um, if I wanted to go off and do my own thing, maybe I wanted to build within their business. Um, so, like, find a Jeff Glover or something like that. No. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, something G. like that. Something like uh, yeah. yeah. Something like um, that. Some like top that. producer. Yeah. Some top producer. Um, some top producer that um, is known for keeping people instead of them turning over. All the time. So, like, uh, 
Mm-hmm. Michael Perna. Like a Joe Delia. Like yeah. a Joe Delia. Yeah, oh, so there we go. Go. The Joe Delia yeah. Group. Yeah. 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 yeah, something like that. The Delia so, Group. So uh, something the where, where they're invested in you. Um, and, and you don't see people constantly leaving their team. Yeah. yeah. Steve, you had to start all over, or you could go back in time and start your career all over. What would you do differently? I would, well, the first thing I would do differently is structure my businesses differently. Right now, they are a giant mess. So what I did was I started with an LLC, and then as I grew, I just kind of kept adding different pieces instead of starting with the right plan in the beginning. So a lot of that whole you know, analysis, paralysis of analysis stuff that I didn't get stuck in, there are a lot of mistakes that I made that had I took a little bit more time and planning, I could have avoided those. So that's probably one of them. But so better asset structuring and management for sure, right? Yeah, for sure. Definitely better management and, and uh, organization. <clears throat> but probably the biggest one would have probably been taking action sooner. Doing something sooner. Doing something a lot yeah. faster, a lot sooner. Yeah, That's where I feel where, boy, I, I could have done things a lot differently, too. I just waited, you know? Yep. If you're sitting at home wondering whether you should or shouldn't, I think we vote you should. Hell yeah. After you go and see a professional lawyer and all that shit, and don't sue me. But sooner is better. You could die tomorrow. Yep. You die in 10 years. You die a fucking loser. Well, How do you I feel say, about that? I don't I like say, it at all. I say, and don't do it if you can't afford the loss. That's true, yeah. Um, if you can't afford the loss, then it's not... Uh, don't put, you know... You can't... The stress of not knowing whether or not... If you can't... If you're investing $20,000 and you can't... No one wants to lose $20,000. Mm-hmm. But if you literally... Your life is going to be over because you lost the $20,000, you are not you are not ready yet. You yep. need to live below your means and build a bigger nest egg up and bigger reserves up. And then, then you're ready. But um, And uh, there's just too many people out there that are... Too free willy about it with too too little cash. I agree with that. So build live below your means, and if you can't manage to live below your means, then you're not ready, anyways. Yeah. So that's, that's true. true. Yeah, that's you're not true. ready. Otherwise, so. you're spending. What happens? Okay, so you make so you make fifty grand more, and then you spend fifty grand. Well, where are you not any better off? You know, no, you're not. So, you know, you mentally aren't ready if you can't do it on your current budget. But that you know what? Honestly, that real talk. That's where I'm at right now. Hashtag real talk. Hashtag real talk. That's where I'm at right now. I'm. My income is growing, but so is my spending. And you guys know me. I don't have, like, fancy cars. I don't have a bunch of stuff. Like, I don't have a bunch of toys and things. But yet I also don't have six figures sitting in my bank account like I probably should, right? So that's one of the things that I wish I would have done differently and would would just been smarter about. It wasn't in my financial education. I had no financial education yeah, as no, a kid. I didn't have any either. Mine was, we can't I would afford ask that. and got told. Don't worry about it. Yeah. That's not very useful. Yeah. You know? Or we can't afford that. You can't have that. We can't we can't afford that. Or, you know, that kind of thing. So well, whenever I too. whenever yeah. But whenever I realized that I could actually afford something, I'm like, Well, I can afford it now. I I want it. I'm gonna go buy it. So that whole mindset. You know, I wish I would have had a better financial education. I wish yeah, the I first book too, I read I did that was too. Rich Dad. That's why I said Rich Dad Poor Dad. I wish if that you was can't the first mentally institute that, then you're not ready. You're not ready. Dude, so. without the financial apocalypse, which is what I call my life from 2011 to like basically a few months ago, that was what I was learning how to do. It was terrible, man. It was yep. terrible. Never underestimate the value of a good start in life, folks. Never underestimate. If you got kids, talk to them about it. Make them an active part of it. Everybody I know is successful makes their children an active part 
of their business. And Joe and I was talking before the podcast started how um, what a head start he got in his life from his parents and all that. For so. sure. And that's not, a, that's not some big financial uh, education head start. It was the ability in which to lean on my parents because they were successful and they did do the right things. And, you know, uh, my dad grew up on welfare, so it's not like he started with some. And, and his his dad came over, you know, they, they saved all their money in order to ship their kids over to be born in the U.S., right? Yeah. And that's... That's, that's called smart. Yeah, so right? that's, that's uh, you know, it's not like we're coming from some type of huge bloodline. Um, Joe, I'll take a million of you. Yeah. Can yeah. I order your grandfather own? grew up in an orphanage. You know, it's not like there's some long line of wealth. It's just each generation's taking the next step up. So, Well, I don't I hate doing this, but, man. Well, that's all, folks. Steve, <laughs> Joe, appreciate you coming out, Steve. Thank you for letting me borrow your fancy-schmancy equipment. This should be the best-sounding podcast so far. Well, it's the best-sounding because we're getting it. Yeah, Steve yes, Londo, folks. Steve buys houses. I guess I'll have to stop calling him Steve Londo. Londo, Londo, I do. I can. A French twang. Londo, give me that dough, Londo, because I do. There you go. Londo, 734 272 7004 or Steve at Steve Buys Houses Joe Delia and his beautiful and awesome wife Renee at thedeliagroup.com. T H E D E L I A group.com. Or hit them up at 248 733 5812 or send them an email at info at thedeliagroup.com so if you're looking to sell your house fast for cash contact Steve if you're looking to list your house with an amazing group uh, are you a realtor or real estate agent doesn't matter I'm a business agent but I'm going to throw in there anywhere in the country I can source an agent for you anywhere in the country go ahead and give them a shout out I'd appreciate it and if you enjoy and find this podcast helpful please share with your friends you think would enjoy this. This is a free podcast, and your sharing really helps. Also, if you have any comments and or suggestions and you're not a total loser, reach out and let me know. I would appreciate it. Go to renegadedetroit.com. I know it's not currently updated, but it will be sometime in the future, hopefully within a few months. And if you're interested in coming to the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash investors or go to the facebook.com forward slash Club. If you're interested, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess and go ahead and hit me up on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. And as I wrap this up, I just want to take a moment to encourage those who may be listening and wondering about what steps to take and all that and how to become financially independent or anything like that. Whatever your dream is, there are a lot of distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits, bad start in life, things that, you know, things just aren't jiving, you got goals, stick with it, don't give up, get started. If you can, do something every day that gets you closer to your goals. And with that, I want to thank you guys. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for having me. Thanks for All having right. us. Until we meet again, crush it. Peace Boom. Out.